0: A million armies of one have invaded Watching you and watching me Immortalized. Everyone's got an electric eye with the digital spies. People are little brother Standing by to dethrone each other Watching you and watching me Paranoid, the lenses are our weapon Desensitized in our lust for attention Democratized by our of obsessions Watching you and watching me Slaves so to perfection Don't let them project you as you are Lines be immortalized Everyone's got an electric eye where the digital spies Day and nine, don't make a mistake. We're one.
1: Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. Here we go. top the mountains of British Columbia, to you, listening around the world, this is Spaced Out Radio, with host Dave Scott. You can follow us on our website... SpacedOutRadio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at SpacedOutRadio.com on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show or on our YouTube channel Spaced Out Radio Show.
0: Dave Game on! Game on! Dave, oh
2: Dave, 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 Dave. Dave. Dave, are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again?
0: where it is? All right, all right, all right.
1: Okay, seriously, what's with the points? Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for lift up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> seriously, Dave? Really? really? <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Captain, take your seat on my left. It's time for takeoff.
4: Yeah. Seven. This is
0: Start. Two. One. the ignition. On the
3: Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride wherever you are on this fantastic planet we love to call Earth. Welcome on this Monday night, early Tuesday morning, if you're on the East Coast, because we are broadcasting right here, right now, live in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, live in the great white north. Let's welcome in everyone listening in at SpaceOutRadio.com on Spreaker On the United Public Radio Network, Renegade Talk Radio, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio, as we do this thing every night of the week. Yeah, we do, because we love to. And we are bouncing in and out of every show. Thanks to our resident guitar god, Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Yes, Bumblefoot is the official sound of Spaced Out Radio. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can also follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott, S-O-R. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Space Out Radio Show. Find us on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We are also on TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, and Stitcher as well. Well, we're getting close to Stitcher. So we are all over the place. Our website is spacedoutradio.com as well. Hey, if you want to take part in this show, you'll have to sign into one of the chat rooms, either on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or on Facebook at the SOR Space Travelers Club. And if you're on Twitter, do me a favor. Use the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. I will get to your questions and comments in there as well. And I love it, Mark, when you post Uncle Jimbo's cabin on a rainy, stormy night every single night you're in the show. So thank you so much for doing that. Have you signed up for the SOR Space Travelers Club yet? If you haven't, it's time. Five bucks a month. The draw is this Friday. With that, your name gets entered into a monthly prize draw. You get access to a private posting section on our website. We're working out the details on a few more things for you because you as our audience are important. And we're going to give you a heck of a lot more than just access to our archives. While on our website, check out my latest blog. It's on Bigfoot this week. Yes, you're going to not want to miss that one. Make sure you read up on it. Check out Eric Markham's latest in the SOR Spacewire. And if you've had a sighting you can't explain, head on over and fill out a sightlines report. Yes, researcher Mike Smith is waiting for you and your information. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on Renegade Talk Radio live in Las Vegas right here, right now. And if you're listening in on the United Public Radio Network live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world, Good to have you with us. And remember, if you are listening on Revolution Radio, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. The Canadian paranormal scene is one that is still quite a quiet bunch of groups here in the Great White North. The popularity of the ghost hunt is here, but for some reason... As haunted as Canada is, well, there's still plenty of virgin territory for ghosts to wander around on their own without being bothered by us pesky humans. In the United States, the thrill of finding the haunt is all over the place. In fact, as I've said many times on this show, there are more than 36,000 paranormal teams online in the U.S. alone. Now, up north, that statistic is relatively unknown since per province, literally, there are only a handful of groups that are on any sort of social media platform. Why is that? Well, we're going to ask our guest tonight, Glenn Ferguson from Chronicles of the Unknown, and we'll also get the perspective south of the border with Randy Plesser from Zetalk Radio. We are also waiting on Derek Whitesky Cloud as well to join us. Should ghost hunting teams be expanding into uncharted territory, or do we stick with the theory that there are ghosts everywhere, so really there's no need to travel to far-off places to find that untapped haunted resource? Glenn and Randy, welcome back to Space Out Radio. How are you guys? Good, thanks, Dave. I'm, I'm get... doing.
5: Go ahead. I'm
3: doing Glenn, I'm going to get you to turn your speaker down a little bit if you don't mind, because we're getting a little bit of feedback, but that's okay. Gentlemen, uh, we're still waiting to hear back. Uh, trying to connect here with Derek White, Sky Cloud. I'm not sure if he's actually <laughs> in the building yet or not, or if he's teasing his hair before the show. But oh, there he is. Uh... Oh, there. Well, we're trying to get him in. Good to have you back on with us here, guys, because this is one show that that I've had a lot of fun with over the periods of time here as we've been doing this. And I love talking paranormal because it's very rare we're able to actually get people on here who could speak paranormal without going into the ad nauseum of what kind of gear do you use? What kind of places do you like to... Check out for hauntings. Have you been to Waverly Hills yet? Have you been to Alcatraz? Everybody hears that story. You
6: know what I'm saying, Randy? Absolutely. And, you know, th- there is so much going on out here, you know, on this south of the border. I mean, we're I'm in the state of Pennsylvania. This is the haunted capital. I mean, we're getting ready for Sleeping with the Ghosts at Fort Mifflin on the Delaware. We're getting ready for the great uh, events at Penhurst. Oh, my gosh, there's so much we're getting ready for. And the teams are getting ready, and they're excited.
3: No, I, I can totally understand that they're getting excited. And I love the idea of paranormal tourism. In fact, you know, I've actually went and and started my own paranormal tourist hotspot here in my little town because it was just needed, you know? It was just needed to help raise money for our museum that we have, which is about two miles away from me. And I understand the reason why a lot of these teams are doing this. And Glenn, you've investigated the museum of my house, same as Derek. You guys know it's it's a very nicely haunted place, and the ghosts are always out to play, which is always fun. But at what point, gentlemen, and I'll start with you on this, Glenn, at what point, when you hear what Randy says that groups are gearing up for all these paranormal haunted events that are going on at these specific places. At what point do you just say, really? Haven't, hasn't this been done before?
5: Well, it's been done before, but it's still obviously popular because they're filling their locations down in the States all the time. Like Their conferences are jam-packed. Their investigations are crazy. Even getting a ticket to get into one of those investigations, like Penhurst, is a nightmare at best. And you're investigating people like John Zaffis and uh, Paul Bradford and whoever else is down there at that particular time. So, obviously, it's, it's a hotspot for that kind of uh, activity. Let's use the word activity for a change. Uh, but it's, it's different down there, a different mindset. We're a little bit slow on the uptake by about six, seven years up here in Canada. Uh, but we still do have locations that are extremely haunted.
3: And Glenn, as part of the Chronicles team here, you guys have toured mainly all over British Columbia trying to find some very intricate places that maybe have not been investigated or have rarely been investigated. And the one that I think of is a very haunted town called Barkerville, which is an old gold miners town that's been thrown together as a museum. And do you think that a lot of paranormal teams, Glenn, are not enticed by the opportunity to investigate in virgin territory
5: well it was the thing for us like most of the more, uh, lower mainland and vancouver area it had all been done by numerous groups it was just time for us to walk away and, and head up north a little bit see what was going on up there we heard about the gold rush trail we heard about barkerville we'd heard about uh, cottonwood house and various other locations on the way It just seemed like a good idea to take off for like four or five days at a time and hit those locations pretty hard.
3: Mm -hmm. And Derek, we bring you in now, if you don't mind, you know, because since you're part of this show and everything like that, I'm wondering, gentlemen, when you guys, Derek, as a team head out for an adventure, is it exciting for you guys to be able to say you were the first in order to investigate these areas? Or does that even
7: matter? that oh, that depends uh i i, re- <clears throat> I would say it just depends on, on what you say who was the first because uh, i mean I know Glenn's been there before it was my I mean the first time when I went there with the guys it was my first trip um I was all excited I still am I'm always excited when I go there because there's always something new uh, at that location, and uh always something really cool to explore. You can't i mean as much as often as we try to explore the place, there's always something different that you know either they add in or take out, or you know there's still lots of things we talk about um and we really to be honest with you i mean there's a lot of cemeteries there we even haven't haven't come close to, so there's lots of stuff we just haven't you know you gotta be at least if you really want to be technical you gotta be at least for be be there for at least two weeks or so to really trying to find all locations, but we don't always have the time to do that. And
3: granted, you're using your own budget, Derek, and that always yeah. is tough. You guys don't have a television budget. You don't have a a, a personal, you know, um, uh, unstoppable bank account that you guys can, can go and do this. I mean, you're doing this out of your own pocket to try and bring some life, you know, no pun intended, into the paranormal community here in British Columbia. But, Randy, I bring you back in now, and you're the one who kind of fired it up with all of the this talk about all these, you know, para-conferences and para-events going on. Do you think that's good for the field when we gather and go to all of these places that we know have already been done hundreds of times? Or does it even matter anymore because paranormal
6: tourism has just grown that much? Well, in this particular case, there are many newbies out there uh, that are coming into the field. The the one I'm thinking of right now is called Para which is for women. Very wow. interesting. Yes, yeah. If you check it out, it's on March 4th. Now, you know, this the great thing is I'm about a two and a half hour drive, but it's you know women innovators, pioneers, movers and shakers of the female gender on Paracon 2007. You know or two thousand and seventeen I'm looking forward to this because what's happening to the field of the excitement of, of investigating is women are taking the the chance now and coming out and at this March fourth paracon they're going to be presenting papers and speaking now I think that's pretty cool since they' they've been reaching out you know among you know the this newbie community. I think it's exciting. And also on May 17th, John Zaffis will be talking live in New Jersey. And, you know, we, we're used to the cost. It's so expensive. It's only $10 to go to Gettysburg. So if you're interested in the field right now, a tank of gas and 10 bucks. If you're interested in meeting uh, the gentleman from Ghost Hunters, Joe Chin, uh, John Zaffis, etc., it's 20 bucks. Now, to answer your original question, is that such a bad investment to find out if you had interest in this field? And don't you think it might be a chance where people can renew themselves at some of this stuff?
3: Well, I don't know. See, I'm not a fan of what the paranormal has become. I realize I'm a relative rookie in this field, okay? I mean, between Derek and Glenn, there's almost 70 years of ghost hunting experience in there. When I want to learn how to ghost hunt, these are the guys I go to because they've been there, they've done that They literally are are the type of people who are going to tell you the proper do's and don'ts. They're not there for Pokemon Ghost. They are there to try and solve human nature's riddles on what's on the other side. And I guess that's one of the things I don't like about these paratourism events, even though I do think they are necessary, especially... These days, when you can keep museums running on them, you can, you can raise a lot of much-needed money for charity in mm-hmm. regards to this. And, you know, I had a charity event a few months ago for, for the late curator of and property manager of the museum up here that passed away. And, we, and he's originally from South Africa. His family over in South Africa was very poor. So we decided to throw a charity ghost hunting event at twenty dollars ahead, hoping that we would maybe make three, four hundred dollars, we ended up walking out there with almost a thousand dollars cash, right? Because people wanted to know, they wanted to experience, and I get that, and I get the importance of it, Randy. But in the end, if we are investigating the same places over and over and over again, how do we tell the story? How do we sit there and say? okay, up in wherever you want to call it, this place is haunted by a ghost named John who was a gold miner at such and such a time and he was murdered and his wife took all his gold. I mean, that's what we need to do. We need to solve these riddles. And playing Pokemon Ghost is not attractive to me. I don't find that fun whatsoever. But then again, maybe I'm just taking the field a little bit more seriously than everybody else should, or for the most part, mostly everybody else should. What's your thoughts, Randy?
6: Well, you know, there there are many schools of thought. You know, I'm on this side of the East Coast, you know, where you're seeing much, much activity. And a lot of groups no longer play Pokemon Ghost. That has dropped off here on this side of the pond, on this side, almost 100%. You know, what we've been trying to focus it on and the executive director, and I'm just going to uh, pick on a place that I go on, Fort Mifflin and the Delaware. Her name is Elizabeth Beattie. She's the new executive director. They've held numerous events, not for Pokemon Ghost, but to try to talk about the siege, which is you know a basis of the American freedom, which took place on November 3rd through November 15th, 1777. Uh, Trying to get back to the essence of what the hauntings are all about. There's over 200 bodies that are buried in the ground there, and it's hollow ground, and it was a U.S. military fort until 1962. You know, we're trying to accentuate, I think, ourselves on this side of the pond to getting away from that, just investigating for fun, and getting down towards the story. And Elizabeth herself has refocused her her efforts from that Pokemon Ghost down to focusing on that area. So I think we're seeing a slow, generalized change. Well, I hope so,
3: because it's necessary. It's very necessary. Derek, when you look at it, and after everything you've heard us say here, what are your thoughts in regards to whether or not we need to be taking this field a little bit more seriously, combining the brain power that many have in this field to try and find some proper answers rather than playing a game
7: with ghosts. Well, I don't know about any games, but I know people like to play games because they'll uh, have a tendency to uh, call call them out in a very negative way. You know, I dare you to come, show yourself... I've heard that we've had dealt with people like those before. Uh, Or they would actually, people would harm themselves to see if if someone, something would uh, show as an apparition. Um, In my field, I mean, you know, when I work with our own team, we've never done anything quite like that. We come out professionally. We do our work uh, as a professional team. So, I mean, it depends. I mean... The media today, the public today, are looking for something totally different, and they're they're trying to change up now. Where, yeah, they used to have, they're wanting to do an all girl team, but you know what? That's been done before, and um, that was back in the early or I would say mid uh, two thousand. I would say twelve or thirteen. There was a, co- a bunch of girls that it, uh, they were a paranormal team, just women only, came on TV for a bit, probably never lasted longer than a year. Um, but, I mean, everybody's different. I mean, you've got you to find something that you want to draw the public's attention. And, and right now, I believe that history is one of the most important part That Because any time anytime I ever tell anybody that we're, we're a paranormal team, that we're looking for historical locations, that's where people start to listen. You know They're not into games, and I think this is what is more important at the moment.
3: Well, I think it is more important, and Glenn, do you see in your talkings, and you're talking paranormal literally every single day, do you see people starting to take this more seriously, or do you see people still doing the same old, same old when it comes to wanting to play with ghosts and just have that fun experience, much like going to an amusement park?
5: Well, I guess each group has its own way of uh, investigating. Like I say, me, Derek, have been at it for like forever. Uh, so we still use a lot of the old techniques, which were in common, so long before this paranormal field became TD worthy, I guess you would class it as. But uh, like what we were doing it long before was even cool. People with white coats who come around and look at us kind of funny, show and show we're not ready for the old street jacket to go somewhere nice like Riverview Hospital. But uh, I have to agree with Randy as well. Like it, they take their uh, paranormal tourism very seriously down in the states, and it pays a lot of bills for those uh, nonprofit societies that they work for. Uh, now I've done investigations with high-level inve- investigators as well, like Paul Bradford and John Zappas and uh, Keith Age and. Same with Derek, he's worked with the same people. Uh, we all take it seriously to a certain degree. All these new groups that are popping up because of TV, that's fine. Like, they'll have that little thrill, they'll get possessed and whatever, and it'll be all good. But for us, we're, we're still in that field where we're looking for specific information. Uh, it takes us a few days, takes us a few weeks, and most of what we did with Chronicles of the Unknown was tell a story a- inform the public of the history of our province. You'd be surprised at how many people don't even know what Barkerville is who live here in BC, were born and bred in BC, and have no idea where it is. So if we can impart some sort of historical information as a paranormal tourism-type look at what we're doing, then it makes a lot of sense for us, too.
3: I can see where it makes sense, and I can see the teaching that goes along with it. I really do believe that that is a good thing. The more people we can get involved with this, the more people that we can answer questions to I think that's very important okay because the more people who open their eyes and realize that this is a real field of study that should be taken seriously to me has no detractors it's all benefit for what's going on and I get that but Glenn we still know and you know people who are literally just out there running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what the hell to do when a ghost is around, you know, and, and when you have that type of attitude still running around, it takes people like you, like Derek, like the rest of the team who are putting big time money, investment, education, and research into this. And it kind of takes what you do and it mashes it all up because everybody on the outside in the mainstream kind of throws you all together. They throw you all into the same bag. They can't tell the difference between, you know, somebody who's playing Pokemon Ghost compared to somebody who's doing real research for the better part of trying to find answers to the reasons of life after death and is it there. They're not doing that. And that's the unfortunate part because it's not so much the people who are in the field, it's the people who are looking into the field from the outside wondering, what the hell is all this about?
5: Yeah, I see where you're going. Uh, But I think for the majority of those who have actually taken the time to form a society as opposed to just a ghost hunting group, uh, the the ones that have put the effort in are the ones that are actually making the effort to do the real research as opposed to the Pokemon stuff.
3: Randy, what's your thoughts on that?
6: Hello. (laughs) Well, you know, this is where... You know, the the idea of the Pokemon ghost, the television shows have set themselves aside. My wife and I, in 2009, worked with Fort Mifflin on the Delaware to try to bring and educate the public on what we believed is a standard and created a standard. I was on the front cover of the Philadelphia Daily News, which is a large metropolitan newspaper here in in Pennsylvania, to try to accentuate my understanding personally of Christianity and hauntings. And talk about, you know, the beginnings of what I believe is standardization. What we were doing was we were taking uh, five people in per Sunday to give them a chance not to go Pokemon ghosting, but to try to train them in the correct facility of why we do this. And try to move forward to understand this is just not here for excitement and glory, that we're actually doing paranormal research. You know, the idea of paranormal research is they got to go out for an investigation for two hours and then come back and now uh, listen to their EVPs, etc and come up with theories what they found based upon the evidence. Many people had complained that it wasn't exciting. And I said, this is where the idea of what you're suggesting, the Pokemon Ghost, got set aside. With the attrition rate right now falling off because of the television shows, what is left behind right now are the serious researchers. And these serious researchers are beginning to start to come out. Uh, I have a place on Facebook called the uh, Supernatural Standardization or Supernatural Standards. Uh, it is now increased to 450 or 465 people so far. So there is a autonomy coming together in this field that these people no longer want to run around and go to the ghost hunting uh, place of the week. They want to take this seriously and write the storybook. Uh, for instance, like uh, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and the uh, the idea of the uh, battle at the Revolutionary War. We're taking this a lot more seriously. Uh, you know, we've wasted a lot of time and effort and money on investigating. We've invested. You know, my wife and I have put out, and I'm going to give you a figure uh, that is. Probably most close to true. We've put out almost $80,000, Dave, uh, in equipment, in traveling, and in expenses since we first started this. So we, we've taken this seriously. We've invested in it. I have over 65 cameras, lots of equipment to go document and start writings of a book that I would like to do. So the investment capital that you put into this field should be. Uh, turned in just like the, you know, the Warrens. The Warrens published books and whatnot, but you know, here they're taking it a lot more seriously. Uh, they're, they're looking the the idea of peri unity down here is coming together. They're starting to refocus themselves on coming together, and these, you know, the, these women are coming together on March fourth are exciting because they're researchers. You know, there are different sides of a coin. Nurses and doctors and attorneys and teachers coming together. I just find this stuff exciting. 80 grand.
3: Yes, sir. That's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money to be chasing some imaginary phenomena that some people believe.
5: I, now, spent, 30, I spent 35 grand That's just on one conference.
3: Yes, yes. And a good conference it was, Glennard. A good conference it was. You
5: that was know, a lot of money, though.
3: Yeah, I, I can understand that. But let's let's take a look at the, the financial value of this. I think a lot of people don't fully understand you know, the commitment. Because it is an addiction, let's face it. Anything we do that we enjoy becomes an addiction. And then you want the latest gear, you want the latest trends, you want to get to those places that maybe are popular or where nobody has ever gone before. You know, so it does keep you on the hunt and it keeps you moving because you want to try out every piece of equipment just to see if you can get that 1 inch closer to solving the riddle. So, is there an end point, Glenn, where you finally have to say, you know, $80,000 for a lifetime of ghost hunting? So far, you spent tens of thousands of dollars as well on your own gear, on your own conference, absolutely everything. Where do you think, where do you think that goes? Is it worth it?
5: I think it's worth it. Uh, it, it as well as building a reputation for yourself with clients uh, and the community when you're doing conferences, like that, it's definitely worth it. No, it there's not going to be any stop to how much money you're going to put out into this field. No, there'll be new gear coming out pretty much on a weekly basis right now, which is insane. Uh, new gear, new possible thoughts on how to investigate, uh, new techniques uh, it's always changing now, you can't sit there and expect to still use uh, tricks of the trade that we were using 30 years ago although we still do occasionally because they are effective even though they were not based on any sort of technology like hanging string from the ceiling on tacks was great and you stick a camera and anything moved in those strings ooh, we have some slight activity we forgot about breezes at that point so, yeah, I think it's, it's well with the money in the end.
3: Derek, as a psychic medium on paranormal investigations, I know I've asked you this before in regards to gear and everything, but you are your own tool. Do you see a purpose of spending thousands of dollars on pieces of equipment that we don't really know if they truly work or not until we get them?
7: Yes, Dave. I am a tool when you turn me on. Uh...
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give him that. That was good. That that was
5: good.
7: You're on fire tonight. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Uh, well, now I got to repeat the question again. <laughs> Well
6: yeah. Well, oh, okay.
3: j- just because of the whole fact there you know as a psychic medium you you were used as a tool. You were used yeah. as a as a piece of equipment in order to contact the spirits on the other side. Now when you sit there and you look at all this type of equipment that you know Glenn has, Mike has, Troy has and other paranormal teams have investigated or have invested in do you see the value in all of that, or has technology really lost the flair or caused the loss of flair of imagination and senses?
7: I think what everybody's keep looking for is the science of it. Uh, I'm sure Glenn would agree, um, and you guys would agree, is that you know we—that's why we try to make comparisons. Like when I go in to do the review and I say what I see and feel, and then Glenn will go equipment with the guys and they'll see the go around do the same thing and see what we pick up and then we compare those uh uh, sounds and uh picking up and see what we get and see if those actually did happen um because they're looking for you know who it is what it is uh what the story is about um i mean you can anybody can tell a a story of a legend You know, and a lot of times we can be fooled and, and you're going in there and you're want to, you know, you're hearing what someone says. And that's why Glenn brings me in because instead of him telling me what the story is about, I go in there and I see if it really did happen, if that sort of thing really did take place. So instead of me telling me anything was going on, I go in there and I'm doing the investigation. I mean, anybody can tell me a story and say this is a legend. I won't listen to it. I won't believe them until I go in there and see what I get because it's like, people think it's spoiled but it's anybody can make up a story and I go in there and I do what I can do what I feel and if that's exactly what I see and I've been very honest about it but if I don't get anything you're gonna hear me say nope I got nothing you know and uh, it may not be as strong as it is and then it depends on the team itself if you want to go in there singularly by yourself on camera um, and record or you just leave the equipment in there by itself and see what happens from there. So it's, it depends on, on either way of investigating.
3: Is the value there, Randy, after all the money that you have spent on this, in regards to
6: what you have learned? Absolutely. Uh, I spent a, a long time with a gentleman named John Sable. S A B O L, learning new techniques. And he came up with the word ghost excavation. And we did the ghost excavation of Fort Mifflin as well as the ghost excavation of Eastern State Penitentiary of new and various techniques that he created. He came up with a mathematical formula. So when we look back at the money we spent to what we've learned, uh, absolutely. And what he created was called the Center for the archaeological studies of presence through ethnographic, uh, I guess it's renaissance, uh, residents. Learning different techniques and learning different scientific methods and methodologies, as well as religious, has created, uh, first of all, I don't go ghost hunting. I'm called into the field when needed. Uh, I don't go out and play Pokemon ghost. Uh, Second of all, is it worth it? Absolutely. It brought me a lot closer to understanding you know I just lost my father uh, eleven weeks ago, so it brings an understanding more closer to death uh, what you do, what you live your life and it, it these different techniques have brought me closer to the understanding of what life sometimes really means and it sometimes that 's very eye eye awakening Please go ahead. No no, we were listening to you. You continue. Sure. You know, when you become a ghost excavator, we, we did acts that I have on a DVR system that, of different soldiers dressed up, etc., cetera, uh, doing different uh, ideas of what he felt was presence. And we did live on a local large radio station down here, and we were getting a lot of strange things. So his idea of his investment dollars and what he did, and if you look him up on Amazon, I think he has 12 to 14 books out there. You, you're talking about books that are not Pokemon Ghost. You're talking about books that are written by men who are dissertating theories and testing theories and writing papers you know, based upon scientific and religious phenomena. He has presented papers in Scotland, and he's also done things, too. So I invite people to check him out at ghostexcavation.com. He's a great man. Uh, he is an actor. Uh, I, I got to spend a lot of time with him. He, he acted with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in one of the movies. Uh, he is um, was in one of the James Bond films, and instead of staying where he was, he sat down with me and talked to me about my investment dollars and what I can do in order to take my college education, because he was an adjunct professor down in Mexico, and said, you know what, Randy, don't go to the way of, of the meters, or he calls them presents, why don't you learn a nef- different technique and try something and be a little more scientific and educational.
3: Is there enough science, Randy, in this field? Do we have the brain power, never mind the investigative power, but do we have the the brain power to claim what we are doing is
6: scientific? That's part of the problem. And what we're still seeing is the fallout of American television. Now, I am in a location right now where Ghost Hunters television show thrived. If you've got the DVDs, I'm in the area, 100 miles each way, and where I'm sitting. Ghost hunters, you know, led led the the chance. So the Pokemon ghost theories, the groups did because now we did it and we saw it on television, just like a roller coaster ride. That is now in the past. The television show is now gone, and what we're looking at is trying to take our investment dollars. And now look at the books written by Hans Holzer, by Lorraine and Ed Warren, and books are boring. Books are boring because what we want is we want the excitement of Pokemon Ghost. My friend Chad Stanball. and I want to sit down and write a research book based upon what we've done, our investment dollars, and some scientific theory. So I think we're slowly getting there. And that scientific theory, we want to try to create some sort of standardization for testing and write it up in some sort of manual. Does that make sense to you? I would love to
3: see it too. Glenn, you and I have talked profusely about the whole science aspect of the paranormal. And we've talked about it on this show. We've talked about it, you know, one-on-one over a beer in a fire in my backyard. Real romantic. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Your eyes were dazzling that night. Thank but, you. But not a problem. But in, in the end here, do you see that we have a, a great group of researchers doing this? You know, but are you hesitant, and I want to word this correctly, are you hesitant to use the word science in what you do after 35 years? Because science really is a dangerous word when it comes to the paranormal phenomena.
5: Science is always going to be in this field, regardless whether you're a scientist yourself. You can read theories that other people have posed and pretty much work on those. There's no difference between someone calling him scientific in his approach or calling himself technical in his approach. I think what we do at uh, the Canadian Paranormal Society and Chronicles is basically give it our best shot at... We've all been in the field a while, we go off the evidence we capture, and we try to base it on as much scientific proof as we can. I'm getting a lot of questions,
3: what the hell is Pokemon Ghost? That's where people go and play ghost hunting when they have no intention of actually solving everything. It's like playing a reality video game. That's what I mean by Pokemon Ghost. I've had a couple people ask on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. That's a little term that I coined because it pissed me off. So I figured I would call them out. So that's just what it is. So thank you for asking. I understand, Glenn, getting back to you for a second, the science, that you guys want to take a scientific approach, that you want to produce evidence that is actually going to, to be tried and true and tested. There's a lot of people out there that are doing that. And there's a lot of people out there that are are trying to create that. But when you're throwing around the science word, if you don't have the proper technique in order to do it, it can get dangerous because you never know what you're going to get with your answers or if you can actually record them properly.
5: Oh, the science end of it is based on parameters. It's a controlled environment. Uh, trying to get a controlled environment in an investigation is pretty much near impossible. There's always going to be contamination either from outside the building, inside the building, even from your own team. So how can you really base it as a scientific approach when there's no control? So how
3: do we gain that control?
5: Oh, the good thing for us, that we were just up in Barkerville, four days at a time, but two times in a row, and uh, that would be classed as a controlled environment. There was no one else around. There was uh, me, you, uh, my team, uh, one security guard, and the guy who allowed us into the location. 24 buildings, middle of nowhere, there's not even a light out there. So uh, that would be classed as a pretty good controlled environment.
3: Well, in a state like that, Derek... As someone who is psychic, where a lot of science people do not take what you do as legitimate, and I've been around you long enough to know that I think you are, right? How do you feel about this whole scientific approach?
7: Well, you know, I learned something from a good friend of mine who's an elder. She's 82 years old, and she's a medium. She's been a medium for over 60 years. And Barb Leonard would say that, you know, she believed in the science sense of it first. And a lot of people don't realize that uh, science has, I mean, it's all really means that there's just a source of research proving, you know, does uh, people that pass away exist? They've been doing it for over 150 years. Do they call that Science who's the scientist and who actually actually has the right to say that this is real or not. You have to be there yourself to experience it. You have to be the one on location and you can do all the huffing and puffing you want and uh, that's watching it from TV or any kind of recording and say I don't believe that they made it all up. You have to be on location and experience it yourself. You'll know and then if you turn around and say well coordinate science Science means, you know what I mean? Like Glenn understands the science of it because he studied it both ways, I'm sure. And I'm sure you have too, Randy. And, you know, we're trying to look for the logical sense of something. Why does it make any noise? Why is it, how is things are able to levitate across the room? Um, how come we, our hair stands up behind our neck or how come we feel like we're feeling kind of lethargic and I want to pass out? Or how come my back's getting scratched and I got these markings on me, but there's nothing there physically? How come I'm being attacked? Or how come I'm being pushed downstairs and there's nobody there? Now, are, is a invisible scientist going to push you downstairs, or is it we just imagining it so we just make we make people think that we fell down? You know, so it depends on everyone individually to make a decision whether they want to be there or don't be there.
3: Do you feel that too many people try to use or hide behind the word science when it comes to a medium and their discouragement of using a medium during an investigation?
7: Yeah, they do hide behind that word. I mean, if the word science didn't exist, every Tom, Dick, and Harry be out there going, oh, I know I saw a ghost, I felt it, I know I did. You know... Even when I'm not with my team and I do readings for a living, um, I have people come to me a lot and the first thing they say to me, certain things or events are happening in their house, on their property, in their barn, on a piece of land or where they travel. Some country, Europe or whichever, or even across Canada or United States, they'll always tell a story that they think they believe they've seen a ghost. And the first thing that if they went to go see a doctor, or a psychiatrist, or psychologist, and then if they was turn around, they turn, they turn around, they tell them, "Oh, it's just your imagination. You just thought about it. Or how do you know it's a ghost? Prove it. Prove it's a ghost. What is a ghost supposed to look like to you? Does it look like Casper?" You know, that's the first thing they do because, well, I don't know. It looks like Casper, but I mean, it has give you a, some sort of an idea that has got some to some sort of form. Maybe it's shadowy. Well, how do you know maybe it could be somebody reflecting uh, their shadow from behind the building somewhere to make it look as if there's actually someone standing there? You know, they're going to come up with everything and every which way to detract you, to make you believe that it's real. And even a parent will tell their child the same thing. Oh, it's just his imagination. It's just his imagination. And so the child begins to learn that it's just his imagination. But we still need to understand that we do have images that appear before our eyes. And we're not blind or, or, or nor are we stupid or dumb. We do have a belief, something in our eyes or our, in our in our uh, eyesight or how we experience things. I mean, I know there's things that there's no way anybody can tell me how I did not experience certain things in my life. And I've seen some of the craziest stuff that I never thought I've ever experienced. And no scientist who they think they are can tell me what I don't like or what I uh, have imagined or not imagined because I've had witnesses there that watch the same thing.
3: I got, some, I got some really good comments, Derek, that I want to throw out there. And this is from Eric Markham, our resident scientist around Space Out Radio and a paranormal investigator as well. He says, science is a tool, not a goal in itself. John at Hashtag Space Out Radio says, science tells us that we can't possibly exist. Go figure. Canadian Joe says, in more advanced society, it's called science. In a less advanced society, it's called magic. And Eric at Hashtag Spaced Out Radio says, so right. Scientists have to have faith, too. They believe in theories without proof. Scientism, I call it a belief system. What's your thoughts on that, Derek?
7: Let's put it this way. When I was born, was I born through science? Or was I born through an image of what my parents wanted me to be? Because they've always wanted a son, and they had their son. But my mother believed that she doesn't know why, but she had a dream or a vision that she thought she was going to have a son first. And then these ladies that my mother spoke to before I was even in her thoughts, she was a single mom, woman one time and she went to see a tea leaf reader and that tea leaf reader told her that she was going to have a son that act- actually will be able to do the same thing as what she is doing by reading in the future. My mother had no idea and my mother never told me anything about it, about me having a gift until 35 years later after I was born. She said, I already know that because a woman told me that when, before you were born, that I was going to be doing this for a living. And I never even talked about it to my, from my, to my mother for a long, long time. Or even knew that I had, you know, and my mother knew I had a gift, but she never kept me away from, from believing in it, from what I was doing. <clears throat> so, I mean, there's different ways of believing what science can be And we can look and we can be talking about this for hours.
3: Well, the good part about it is we have two hours and ten minutes to go here. So we we can talk (laughs) about the (laughs) the days. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And, you know, we'll continue that talk until the top of the hour here. But when it comes to science, Randy, in regards to it, Is it a matter of we want it as paranormal investigators to be taken so seriously, to be taken with such great respect for the research that we are performing in this field of study that we will go to any length possible to try and, and get it taken seriously on a scientific route? Because I'll tell you point blank, Randy, I don't know how you are for a talk show host but the minute I have I am approached by a paranormal group to come on this show, and it happens about three, four times a month, I can honestly say that the minute they use the word that we conduct scientific study, I'm out. I'm out. Because I can guarantee you 95% of them have no idea what they are doing through science. And I ask you that because... If we want science, mainstream science, to take us seriously, I don't think personally we can be throwing around the S-word
6: as much as we do in the paranormal field. Part of the problem here is how do I measure what is or isn't in the scientific realm? And that is the question we've been trying to come up with to understand, because what is a, an investigation? How do we conduct it? What do we do? Where do we go with it? What is the word science and the applicability of understanding what science can do? You know, is science going to explain what it is or isn't? I mean, it, it, it's a generalized term to go nowhere in most cases because a lot of people don't take this seriously. Now, you know, Glenn, I've known for a long time, and, you know, Derek, and, you know, we've been hanging out here, you know, on this great show and you know we're all seem to be on the same page but the problem is when we get down to understanding what an investigation is nobody understands so everybody thinks they're correct and right so when you start saying the word scientific realm or understanding a religious realm It's made up on the fly. Everything's made up on the fly. There's no manual. There's nothing at all. So Therefore, Dave, Glenn, and Derek all have applicable theories and all are correct. And that is where this fails. And it fails and it fails because we need a way of measuring some of this stuff. And this is where I'm told that my standardization theories are all wet. Do you agree or disagree? I think you're right, but I mean, on the flip side, and I do want
3: to say, Mr. Skeptic at Hashtag Spaced Out Radio, he's being kind of sarcastic here in a funny way, he goes, you guys are right, science is a lot of bunk, doesn't work, and he shows a picture of a smartphone and a nuclear bomb going off. Yeah, we know that science is credible for a lot. It has given us a lot of answers, Okay, and we can get into the whole debate of science, whether or not... You know, they're holding back certain information or they're not. When it comes to the paranormal or the cryptid world, and this is the whole point of this conversation, and I'm directing it to everyone, just not Mr. Skeptic here, because I can snark him on the air. Okay? What it is, is science to me, and I'm sure to the other men on this panel as well, is about theory. We have to prove or disprove theory to see if we are able to get to some sort of solution. Find some sort of answer. And when it comes to the paranormal or the cryptid world, we always seem to say, nope, does it exist? Nope, impossible. And all of a sudden we are putting scientific theory on the shelf and using our own personal opinion as fact that's what i don't like about it and that's why when it comes to this field i question it with guests like randy glenn and derek because it needs to be questioned how come we don't question things about scientific research and cancer and i'm generalizing here okay we use science to try and find that answer. Now personally, I believe there is a cure out there, but healthy people are not profitable people. That's just me. Got my tinfoil hat on when I say that. okay? But the whole point is when it comes to the, to the paranormal, and it comes to the cryptids like Bigfoot, read my blog. read my blog that I just that just went up at spacedoutradio.com. okay? Read it. It's about this exact topic. How do we take things seriously if these scientists, who are brilliant men and women, are willing to study anything? They can tell us there is oil on Titan. And yes, America, I know that's going to create you guys wanting to get freedom on Titan. Okay, But the whole point that I'm trying to get at here is if we can go into space billions of miles away to find oil on Titan and we take that scientific research seriously, why do we have such a a hate on against trying to prove science in the paranormal? Is there life after death? Does Bigfoot exist? That's what I don't understand, and I don't
6: agree with that. Randy, we got about 30 seconds. I'd like your opinion on that. One of the things we do, we're interested in making money. We're not interested in theories. Let's get away from making money from this this whole idea, and let's go back and refocus ourselves on applicable theories, create theories, and then try to give that theory to you, Glenn, and Derek, and then re come back here again in five months and then talk about the theories.
3: Absolutely. I fully agree. I agree. Well, we are with Derek White Sky Cloud, Glenn Ferguson from Chronicles of the Unknown, Randy Plesser from Z Talk Radio. We are debating the paranormal tonight on Spaced Out Radio. I love this debate. I love it when we get into it. And yes, everyone around, your comments are beautiful as well if you're in any of the chat rooms or on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Make sure you read up on my latest blog as well. Head to SpacedOutRadio.com forward slash Dave's blog. It's yeah. on Bigfoot. Check it on out today. You're listening to Space Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back in about six minutes from now.
4: From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above, in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there,
7: and we intend to find them.
2: Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at SpacedOutRadio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today.
8: Looking for news beyond the mainstream news? Head to spacedoutradio.com and check out the SOR SpaceWire. This is Spaced Out Radio's Eric Markham, News Director for the SOR SpaceWire. Daily, I will bring you intriguing stories and outlandish reports from what's going on around the world. UFO sightings, paranormal activity, conspiracies, alternative health, and so much more. And if you have news, email me at news at spacedoutradio.com.
10: For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle.
11: Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media, Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that, too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
4: From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest. From Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between, this is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and
0: proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas.
12: Every Saturday and Sunday night as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness. You can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there don't
2: have time to listen to spaced out radio live wherever you are the car the office the shower or even if you're traveling we're right here for you each spaced out radio show can be found on itunes TuneIn, and on our youtube channel spaced out radio show it's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows for more information just head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and tune in to us today
1: The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to SpacedOutRadio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag... Spaced Out Radio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R.
3: Welcome back to hour number two of Spaced Out Radio. Tonight, I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along with us. Tomorrow night on the show, Mike Ricksecker, author of many paranormal books, will join us. We're going to be talking ghosts, more paranormal hauntings, what it's like, and in hour number three, Vanessa Hogel, Mike's radio partner, will join us as well to talk about the spirituality of paranormal on the flip side. It'll be a good show. 9pm Pacific, midnight Eastern Time at spacedoutradio.com Hey, if you want to follow us on social media you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes and our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for just 5 bucks a month. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on Revolution Radio. The R. RR- Our machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. We are live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM on the United Public Radio Network, also heard live in over 160 countries around the world. Thank you so much for joining us. And we are also live in nighttime fashion in Las Vegas. Yes, Renegade Talk Radio is the place to be if you are in Sin City to catch us live. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight In the SOR Space Travelers Club Baccalaureate is your password Baccalaureate Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers As we continue on this realm of the unknown We are talking with Glenn Ferguson And Derek Whitesky-Cloud From Chronicles of the Unknown From Z-Talk Radio Randy Glesser Plesser, pardon me Gentlemen, welcome back Hey Dave All right Glenn, you wanted to mention something about the scientific aspect of everything.
5: Oh, I thought you were going to ask me a question. Uh, on the science end, you know, what we do is uh, look for rationality, in everything, and everything that happens on an investigation. Not so much the scientific thing. Uh, if something you see uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, it's not rational to you. Uh, we base our findings on that, and with the evidence we capture on our recordings, like a table levitating by itself or a door slamming full force. Enough to shake a house is not normal. It's not rational. That makes uh, any sense to the question you were asking,
7: Derek. Your call. The other night, I, I heard that Glenn was levitating. Uh, oh, sorry, I forgot that. Was, that was just—he was just actually sleeping. Yeah. All right. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. uh, <sighs> well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. <laughs> well, I want to get to a comment from Muji Boy here on Twitter at Hashtag Spaced Out Radio. He says, blaming science for the failure of paranormal research. Do the para-researchers all have master's degree in Bigfoot poo? No. But I can tell you where I get a lot of my information from. Eric Markham, who is part of this team from the SOR Spacewire, he does have a scientific background. He's got a bachelor's degree in science, so when I'm getting my answers, if I have a question about science and the scientific persona of the paranormal, I go to him. He's the expert in this, not me. Why wouldn't you? I'm, I'm just i well, I'm just a journalist, man. Okay, I'm
7: I'm the expert in finding ghost poop.
3: <laughs> I want to see that pile.
7: I do. Yeah, that's, that's see a that handful hand of marshmallows.
5: Yes, and I'm the one that gets to sniff it hmm Yeah. Authenticity, <laughs> yeah.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: He's the baker.
3: Absolutely. No, so I just wanted to, to say, when I go off on science, it's because I have gone to a scientist. I have gone to someone who is not only a scientist, but a paranormal researcher, and he is trying diligently to combine the two. So that's the reason why, when I go and try and get my answers for science questions regarding the paranormal, I do go to someone who does have a lot of expertise in this. And Muji Boy is now asking, exactly what kind of education do you need to be a para-researcher? The answer is none. You're absolutely right. And that's part of the problem we have with the paranormal in regards to the fact that we have non-scientists, too many non-scientists claiming to be doing scientific work when they don't have the education background to do so. I'm agreeing with you on that. I'm totally agreeing with you on that. You
7: know? Well, you know, if you got a grade two education, and if you're a hillbilly, you're a Jethro. Huh?
5: Huh? Where, <laughs> ah, where, where, that's nice. Where did that come
7: from? Look <laughs> looking through his papers, looking through his papers. Oh, that's where it is. Mm-hmm.
3: Anyways, let's move on here. I got some questions. This one comes from Eric at Hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And Glenn, we'll start with you on this one. What percentage of ghost hunters do you think are in it strictly for the entertainment and money, rather than to learn about the subject?
5: I'd say it's about 50-50 right now. Uh, there was a lot more, maybe a few years back. But uh, like Randy said earlier, that kind of Mickey Mouse television show is dying out. Even though i have to give the guys from ghost hunters kudos they were innovators in getting that kind of show out there with the reality style tv everything else was kind of scripted uh, like uh most it was scripted from the start from top to finish good show as well but uh, it's it, things have changed over the last little while what has changed Just the dynamics. People get bored after a while. All those thrill-seekers that got out there in the beginning, formed their own groups, uh, had their fun, and all of a sudden it's dying out. Uh, Their favorite shows have finished their seasons. Uh, It's time to move on. Uh, they, They get older. It's generally the younger crowd, the ages of, say, 15 to 19, 20 years old, that are just starting their group for the first time. They've watched enough seasons of various other shows, and they have a rough concept of what's going on. Plus, they go to the lobby and get some books, hopefully. But things have changed. Like Those have gone now. now. The guys who are hanging around right now are the ones who have been there before these paranormal shows even began.
3: So are you saying, Glenn, that you feel that the popularity of the paranormal that we've seen the last decade is finally starting to die down, and it's only the people who've actually fallen in love with it and wanting to take this to a different level are the ones who are investigating now?
5: No, I think that's going to change. Obviously, the kids that are out there watching the reruns of the shows right now are going to get interested and hopefully get into the field with a good sense of what they're doing after watching numerous episodes of whatever show they're into. But no, I think it's going to change. It's going to slacken off a bit. The interest has died down for the media, which is a good thing. But on the other side, it's not a good thing. Like, we're five or six years behind up here in Canada, trying to keep up with the Americans down there and their ways of investigating, their ways of promoting what they do. Uh, so we may even be gone before they even had a chance to do something up here north.
3: Randy, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a 50-50 split between people still searching for
6: that elusive dollar
3: and actually trying to learn something, what's going on?
6: Well, I don't even comment on this side of the pond. It, it's dropping off tremendously. You know, here it was almost 80-20, 80% being wanted to get paid wanted to do television shows again I'm in the state of Pennsylvania this is where some of the television shows were born uh filmed etc they put people to work paid families and in the end it turned out to be nothing but you know a paycheck in the end this field has turned and I agree with Glenn at 50-50 or even less of uh, people taking it a little more seriously. The investment dollars that people are putting out for this, uh, you know, are are tremendous. But what do you do with all of this equipment? What was suggested to me in 2012 uh, with a, uh, a medium from California was the preservation of a TV show and putting it on YouTube. Uh, I interviewed, one of the things I, I've interviewed groups around the United States since 2012 uh, that's on Z Talk Radio, so if you go to show archives for those who are interested, Dave, uh, you'll see a predominancy of groups all over the United States and Canada. And that's how I've, I think I met Glenn that way. And didn't I, Glenn? I think we did. But when we refocused our efforts and understanding of the truism of the, the quote-unquote money, people walked away from this and said, how do I make money from this? And that's when people started stealing money years and years ago, which has now ended. Uh, ridiculous amounts. Uh, I stole two hundred dollars or three hundred. Come on, folks. You know, and then they're getting arrested. You know, the gentleman in Ohio got arrested, I think, for eight hundred or nine hundred dollars. You know, come on. Let's get away from this ridiculous uh, banter. You know, that has all disappeared. What we're looking at today is trying to understand what we're doing because nobody now is running the show. So therefore, if somebody has walked in to be a newbie, where are they going to get the A to Z how to build an organization? That's one of the problems. Do you agree or disagree? Derek?
5: Derek's not there. Uh, I agree with uh, Randy. Actually, what I was going to say, no, I can't even remember what I was going to say now because I was waiting for Derek to answer. Mm. Damn, damn,
3: damn it, damn it, Derek! Where did Derek go?
5: He threw me off. Uh, what? Oh, there he is.
7: <laughs> A to Z. I heard A to Z. Um. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I, uh, you know there are, like, you know, even what Glenn said and, and Randy said, there's a lot of paranormal that co- have been out there for such a long time. I mean, I watched, I mean, I would say, I would say one of the most interesting ones at the very beginning was was, uh, was, uh, Haunted, uh, Haunted Canada, and that itself was a documentary at the very beginning, and then it started in the UK, uh, Many years ago, even when Derek Okora, another Derek, uh, who was a medium, they brought him on. And it became quite in- interesting in the show itself. It's entertaining. Entertaining. <laughs> entertaining. Um, and then they brought in other mediums. Uh, there, then they wanted to make it more competitive to see which medium is better than who, which other medium. Uh, they, would, they split them up in other rooms and... They come to the point and then next thing you know you're you're actually catching people throwing stones, like literally physically throwing stones down the stairs and Oh my god, something's there you know, like they they come to the point where you're going like, Really? You guys go that far having to throw stones and they think that's supposed to be haunting. And so everybody caught on. And then it caught and then it went to the US. Then the United States started picking it up. Um, and they really Look good. I mean, they really tried to. I mean, I would guess you'd say the guys who, the plumbers that started it, and then everybody else got on board, uh, trying to make it as as hauntingly as possible to do all the investigations. But they were trying to find the facts. You know, it's almost like it's almost almost like these TV shows. You know, I want to find the facts, and you know, like dragnet, and um, just the facts, ma'am. You know, but that's what they were trying to do at the beginning. And then then the uh, I guess you'd say the writers kept and they wanted to script things up and they said well you know we need more action here we need some people to get mad at each other we need some people to do some stupid crazy crazy crap and that's where they had one guy running from a distance and he's supposed to get himself scared and go run dude next thing you know everybody makes a big deal about it and that everybody's on board so they wanted drama they want people not getting along with each other. And it's a fight. So they basically, it's almost like uh, Ed TV. You know, and <clears throat> then it's competitive again. Where it, who shows who, who? They keep on changing it around where, how can you make it better? 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 A ghost is a ghost is a ghost is a ghost. A haunting is a haunting is a haunting. There is no difference. It can get no different than if you've got a Bigfoot walking through a haunted house and an alien standing next to him, you've got a hell of a show.
3: I want to be there when that happens.
5: Yes. Dave, you've been on the fundraisers with us. You've seen the average age of the participants who are showing up. Absolutely. Yes, generally in the mid-30s to uh, mid-40s. Occasionally we'll get a a younger uh, person who wants to attend with us, which is fine as long as he sticks with his guardian and with me. But uh, the average age generally is 35 to 45.
3: For sure. And I think as we hit that, that, that mid part of life, we start thinking a little bit more, Glenn, in regards to our own humanity and our own fate. We start to think, is there life after life? We want to know. And I think that's the reason why that age group between thirty and forty-five, when we start getting very curious, because we're at that halfway point. We're through our party twenties, and if you've had a good twenties like I did, or like a few of us did, you, you know you want to be able to to take advantage of it. But all of a sudden, there comes that time when you hit that that mortal area where you start realizing, oh goodness, you know I'm at the halfway point, or I'm beyond the halfway point. On the average age for men and or women you know so it gets there i can see why that age category is is so
6: affected by wanting to learn yeah but one of the problems you know it, it once again and through this great, you know, this great Bible is an A to Z guide that is complained about constantly. How do we conduct an investigation? What do we do with an investigation? You know, one of the things that they did here locally, the word reveal is copywritten. The word, the word ghost hunters is copywritten. And it's been reminded in our local Pennsylvania area that if we use the words publicly for an investigation, especially for a fundraiser, that it can be shut down. Uh, in the past, the studio has shut down, I know, events. And they've forced groups over in England to change their name from the ghost hunters to another group. So the uh, you know, infringements are, are slowly showing up. One of the other problems we see out here is uh, the youngest person we've seen here in the state of Pennsylvania is between 10 and 11 years old. Now, they, and I agree, Glenn, and everybody about guardians, but they're asking the same thing how do we do a paranormal investigation? Aren't we missing one key element here? How do we start? Where do we end? What do we do? Who is actually running the show? To where we go, I mean, Dave, you run you run a great radio show, and you've set a lot of standards. But the question here is, what do we do A to Z? Well, first off, you're dealing with three Canadians
3: here, so we don't understand the letter Z. What is a Z? What's a Z? <laughs>
5: is that like a Z? <laughs> I think
3: it's I
6: think it's a Z, man. <laughs> the 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 Z is the end aspect to all of this. So when I the look at the paper, you know, <laughs> you know, when you're looking at the Z aspect of this, you're looking at the, the end part of this. So if I am called into an investigation, uh, how am I going to start and where am I going to end that Z or N? Does that make a little more sense?
5: Yeah, that's a lot better. Uh, <laughs> we always start the same way. Uh, we all talk about the history, except for Derek. Like, Derek's not really allowed to know where we're going most of the time anyway. I just pick him up and say, hey, you're going away for four days and jump in the back and uh, tell me when we get there. And that's the best way to deal with Derek. Otherwise, he'll be probably sitting on Google and Googling the shit out of it. Just kidding, Derek. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that about you. Anyway, but uh, other than Derek, uh, we talk about the history of the location before we even get in there. Uh, we don't really worry too much about claims of activity. Uh, leave it up to the location itself to show me what it has to offer, and then we'll base it on the claims of activity afterwards, which seems to be working backwards in a sort of a way, but it also helps us a lot uh, with uh, some credibility with our claims.
3: Let's get What's to a qu- Let's get to a question from our audience here. Elizabeth is asking... And Derek, we'll start with you on this one. How do you qualify and quantify what is significance in a paranormal investigation?
7: How do you qualify or quantify? It means who's better than who or how, strong, how gifted are you do you need to be to go on investigation. Do you know, it doesn't mean how gifted you have to be or how good you are. If you are believing that you can do the job, And go on location and uh, help make contact with those that have passed away, or you know, and and feeling safe should feel qualified. If those people that are choosing you to feel to be qualified, they'll ask you. Um, If you're going to go on your own, just by yourself to investigate something, it's not a good idea because sometimes there are people that have gotten hurt physically. Um, But I would say your best bet to do is uh, if you feel that you need to have qualifications, how many people do you know really are certified paranormal investigators? How many people do you know that have uh, registered uh, licenses to be investigators? Well, I can tell you this right now. In the UK, you have to be licensed. You have to have a license to investigate. You have to have a license to be a medium. You cannot go out there and, and proclaim to be a medium. You have to have a license. Also, Glenn knows this too, you're also only allowed to use your, your skills at certain hours of the eve each day. So it's not as easy as most people think. They are very protective of, the government's very protective of, of their, of, of what we do. Uh, it's because what happened historically uh, many years ago, back in this before around the Second World War, that they believe that a medium almost caused a major war and or sabotage in, in the uh, in the country. So they're very protective of what we can see. They they believe it. They believe what we do. so. We have to be really. Um, Aware of what goes on in our surroundings, and we have to believe in our heart that we can do the, the job. Having to prove yourself—I mean, that's something that made, that the amazing Randy will try to get you to do—is to prove yourself mm-hmm. to be how you are. And that no one can prove anything; you can believe yourself that you can do the job, and it takes the people that choose you.
3: Randy, your thoughts on Elizabeth's questions: How do you qualify and quantify what is
6: significance in a paranormal investigation? Well that we come back again to the the idea of the standard. You know, what are we quantifying and qualifying in an investigation? What is an investigation? What how do I start an investigation? So if I'm quantifying and qualifying, what am I qualifying and quantifying? Is it scientific evidence? Is it religion? Are are we back again shoveling, you know, the shoveling the Baku all over the floor again just to do an investigation? What we don't understand is the quantifying of evidence. What is evidence? What is paranormal? What what does it mean? How how do I look at a paper and write a paper that goes from start to finish based upon an investigation, or like the Warrens, uh, you know, writing the Conjuring, etc. Uh, of investigating techniques? We we lack that understanding and now we start going out and use the euphemism of television and dvds and whatnot to build this so when we're trying to quantify and qualify what is she asking is she asking for evidence good question now what evidence are we going to quantify are we going to quantify is there a ghost are we going to quantify is there a haunting are we going to quantify a uh, question what that's a very open question. You know, It's like I, just, uh, I would say the food is delicious. Well, your next question is what food? What is delicious? By the time we're done quantifying and qualifying an investigation, we have to have a certain, again, beginning and ending understanding of techniques and understanding what we're doing. But are we all on the same page what a paranormal investigation actually is? I highly doubt that. Glenn, your thoughts?
5: On what, a par- sorry, on what a paranormal investigation is?
3: On how do you quantify and qualify what is significance in a paranormal investigation?
5: Just like Randy said, it depends what you're looking at. Uh, what kind of dynamics do you need? Uh, what kind of evidence do you require? Uh, what is your, your standard for the evidence? Now, when you have EVPs, you have your Class A's, Class B's, Class C's, Class D's, I wouldn't use anything class, class A. Like, if you can't understand what it's saying without being prompted beforehand with graphics above just to give it a, a quick bold effect and they'll play it again and again and again, then what's the point? Like I've watched enough shows out there that do that where you, I can't understand a word that's being said on that recording. But when they put up the little ticker tape telling you what it is, they know, all of a sudden, no, oh yeah, it's possible. Now they put that thought in my head, yeah, it is quite possible. But if that hadn't been up there, I would have no clue what was going on in that recording.
3: Let's move on to another question from Everett here. He is asking, and Randy, we'll start with you on this one. If science can't be used in the paranormal, should we be looking at the study of the paranormal as more of philosophy, investigating beliefs and ideas rather than provable fact?
6: (laughs) That's a very open question. You know, the answer is we need to come up with applicable theories. And without applicable theories, I mean, we're we're concerned with, once again, I'm going to put a plate down that's empty, and I'm going to give it to Glenn and Derek and you, and you're going to put down what a paranormal investigation entails. We are not in on agreement what is that the end result is. So therefore, when you're trying to answer a question like that, we're trying to answer technique versus what the standard is. This is why I spent time on the telephone with Lorraine Warren discussing this of A, a to Z or beginning to end investigating techniques that when her and Ed Warren went out to a, a parent conference or a university, they had all of their liner notes with them, their case notes. And they understood that if somebody said, well, how did you come up with this or how did you come up with that? Let's set that aside a second. What that question is, is we're already understanding what a paranormal investigation is. I've been in this field nine years. I don't understand, you know, today what an investigation should entail. And that's part of the confusion. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Derek, what's your thoughts on that?
7: I've been in the field with cows and pigs and horses. Um, Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I enjoy a lot of this work, and I like what Randy talks about. You know, the difference between what's, what's this and how, and, you know, it, you know when they say, would you like a meal, and what kind of meal is it? Describe it. And that's basically what this is. We have, to, we have to, we're looking for the descriptive uh, change in temperature, descriptive change in movement, descriptive, uh, you know, we're looking for everything that an- analyzes and um, what's real and what's not real. What do you call real and not real? It's, for me, uh, um, if I look for too much logic, then I'm not feeling, that's why when I work with with spirits, uh, I see, feel, hear, sense, touch, and that's it. And I just say it, and then then after that, I don't have to remember it anymore. So, because it's something that's important that only a spur of the moment that spirit will come to you, tell you what, you know, you'll either feel, hear, or see. And they're just telling, giving you messages really quickly, and then you have to figure it out for yourself. Uh, like Glenn even said too, <clears throat> you can actually. Um, someone may say something um, on TV regarding the uh, supposedly a sound of what the ghost has said or done or movement, and yet they're telling you this is what you this was supposed to sound like, but yet you're not sure yourself because it sounds like garble. But they'll write the words across the screen. This is, what it's, this is what it said. And they're thinking, well, maybe. Or are you sure? But the public themselves, if they're, if they're not investigators and don't understand the paranormal, they'll agree no matter what, because they want to believe that it's real. So.
3: All right, moving on in questions, at Hashtag spaced out Radio, Eric has a question. And he'd like to know from the panel why don't you guys call out, or should we call out these people, as in fake ghost hunting investigators, as frauds? It would definitely help clean up the situation. Glenn, what's your thoughts?
5: Uh, who are you going to tell is the good guy and the bad guy here. You can't start accusing people of being frauds without getting uh, some serious legal action on your backside, guaranteed. So, you've got that issue right off the bat.
3: No, I understand that. But let's take Steve Huff for a minute. Okay, he took a lot of backlash over his Ghost (coughs) Box uh, versions of getting a hold of dead celebrities the moment, you know, within hours after they died, saying, oh, well, you have to be as close to dead time as possible in order to get a good connection. We don't know that. We could theorize but we don't know that. So at what point do I guess, let me rephrase the question then, Glenn. At what point should we be critical of people's motivations in this field?
5: I'm, I'm not sure we should really be critical of anybody's opinions or uh, choices. Like Randy said, oh yeah, when we talk about stuff, he'll put his information down on the plate, I'll put mine, Derek will put his, you'll put yours. At the end of the day, we all have a full plate. So I don't know what the arguing or the bickering and all the bullshit that goes with what we're doing in the paranormal field should destroy what we're doing, which are the end causes, either helping uh, entities move on to the next realm, finding out what that particular realm is and what an entity is to begin with, and are we really talking to past relatives that have passed on ahead of us? Maybe something different, who knows? Derek, your thoughts?
7: Oh, this is my favorite subject. <laughs> There is a moment that the TV series "Most Haunted" was on in Britain, and years ago, Derek Cora was about to quit his job. He was going to step down and do something else. And uh, what the hell's her name? Glenn? Gwen, something. That I wasn't. I can't remember. Anyways, the lady that was running the whole show. She suddenly got heard, like suddenly on, on the show itself, she got really upset and she said, oh, well Derek's a, Derek's a fraud, he, he's, a, he's a fake, uh, I, I can prove it, I can prove it. Uh, he's a fake, he's a fraud. Like suddenly now, she, because he wanted to leave, she got really upset. And for the longest time, uh, it took a long time for uh, to Derek to clear his name. Because what she ended up doing, uh, she took recordings of bloopers and she wanted Derek to make up stories just for, just for fun and have jokes and jokes around it. Anyway, she recorded all this stuff on film. And she saved it, and she used it against Derek. And she said he was a fraud. That he made he made all this stuff up as a fake. All the shows he was doing with him, he was a fake. And she tried to ruin the reputation. So the thing is that you're going to come across people like that that, uh, are going to try to misuse your or to, or to basically ruin your reputation and they don't clearly know if it's real or not but they want to they want the public to believe your story in the end Derek did prove himself that he actually is good at what he did and that she was entirely wrong and she apparently went into hiding after and she found out what she did wrong and it was wrong in her point meantime those people those millions of people across the world including the UK were had believed on her side before they suddenly believed her side and said, okay, Derek's not not a good guy. It took him a long time to get his reputation back and clear his name. In the meantime, this is what happens. People like this out there, and no matter where for your American, Canadian, from England, this thir these sort of things mm-hmm. So we can't always judge what these people are like. If you know you're good at what you do, just keep on doing what you gotta do and believe in your heart. Mm-hmm.
3: Randy, I'm curious, your opinion then, where is the accountability then if we have no legs to stand on?
6: Well, that's the point of all of this. You know, how do you point out fraud? How do we tell a doctor that he's fraudulent at what he does? We have a statistical measuring tool to say he's a quack. So therefore, we have places, documentation to go to say this doctor did this or this person did that. When we go back and we go back to that quantification again, how do we quantify who's committing fraud? What is the word fraud? Does fraud mean an EVP? Does a fraud mean a picture? Does a fraud mean this? How do we designate what is and what isn't? And I'm 100% with you, Glenn. You know, that is, uh, you know, on your backside, legalities. Take the first $1,000 of your paycheck and give it to an attorney. Because once you start putting the fraudulent uh, finger out there, they're going to come back at you. And, and Derek, 100%, reputation. Bada bing, bada boom, you're finished. And, but once again, I get back to the same question. This is where I get door slammed on me. What are we measuring? What are we looking for? What are we looking at? What is that photograph going to do? I want my father back. My father died a horrible death in an, in a convalescent home. I have a, I have private cases right now uh, of somebody who wants to talk to his uh, relative who died of cancer. How do I quantify that statement? And you know, can I be accused of fraud? Absolutely. but my my question here is this, and we get back to this whole thing. Where is the Bible of the Paranormal at that we can go back to say what is real and what is fraud?
5: Well, exactly. there is no standard set.
6: Why can't we all sit down together as a family and design them?
5: That would be fantastic
6: because there's no paranormal unity, and I 'm not going to get into
3: the whole paranormal unity crap that that everybody is trying to preach but goes and does the exact opposite. The fact is though. If somebody is being fraudulent, and we have proof, is it not our job then, Randy, to call that out? Because there's a lot of people who are hinging bets on this, hoping, just hoping, that there is reality behind this research. Now, the people who do it on a very consistent basis, like you three, are going to say there is reality there. But for those who are on the fence with what is going on, okay, there is at some point a time where you have to grow a set and stand up and say, look, you, sir, are wrong. You don't have to call them a fraud specifically, but you, sir, are wrong. You shouldn't be doing it this way. You shouldn't be doing it that way. Why are you taking people's money? Okay. At some point, we, in order to clean up this field, and yes, we could wait for them all to die off when the fad is finally over in about another 5 to 10 years, but at some point, we do have to grow that set of cojones and say, you're not doing it right. You're ripping people off. You're scaring people, or you're leading people to believe at their most intimate time of need,
6: and really, you're giving them nothing. Do we not have to do that, Randy? Once again, we get back to the word accountability. How do I set up a standard to say what you did or did not do is a fraud? Do I agree with charging people for the paranormal? Absolutely not. I don't agree on it. We, I think we're all on the same page that we do research free of charge. Yep. One of the problems here is that there's no quantifying documentation that goes back and says what is and what isn't. So therefore, if somebody's relative died of cancer and they want to grab a recorder from their local commodity store and they say they want to talk to their mother, dad, sister, brother, how do we say to them they're wrong or they're incorrect? We have no statistical measuring tool to do that. So therefore, what we're trying to do is saying, if you charge for what you do, you're wrong. But once again, lem- put me on the stage there, and all three of you stare at me up at the stage and said, Randy, prove the doc- give me documentation right now where it said, what is a fraud? Dave, how can I?
3: At some point, we all have to put our names on the line and just say,
6: screw it and do it. Right? I do it on this show. That's not what I'm arguing. What, what my argument is here is is when we all sit down as constituents, what is the ground that we're all getting together? You know, we we're putting together, we're doing this and this and this. What is the de facto standard of what we're trying to do? When we put that plate down and we all throw our evidence down, what is on that <coughs> evidence plate? What is it that the general public wants us to tell them, that there's life after death? You know, we can't quantify... A uh, one statement without fighting and threatening one another, and not in the show, but uh, you know in the paranormal field, this is where I, I get on the standards. you know when I look at in space, and I love ufology and, and astronomy, I can go gauge what the, the star Sirius is, and I know how far it is and the chemicals and the binaries, but I can go back to documentation and say, this is what Sirius is. Do we go back to Lorraine and Ed's notes? Do we go back to Hans Holzer? Where is it that I could go back to do research that is written up? Or am I all wet on this?
5: No, I think you're right. Like uh, I mentioned Hans Holzer and uh, and Lorraine. I have the books in the shelf behind me. They they were handbooked for me too, way back in the day when they were first published. So I, i still got those. So there's no reason not to go back and, Hopefully, that somebody will go to the library and pick up these books or maybe buy these books or check them out online just to get some information, get some standards behind you, at least a basic standard.
6: But what is a standard? That, that's my when, – when I'm asked that question, people start to laugh because they said a standards, whatever they want to create. So therefore, the Pokemon Ghost stuff comes back up again and we begin fighting and then a year goes past. So then we sit down and say, what is a paranormal investigation? Whatever we make it. So A, B, C, D, E, F paranormal groups are all right. So therefore, they're fighting amongst one another. They're fighting on stupid things. I have a major haunted family right now who is using sexual uh, destruction to destroy a paranormal group in this family. And I don't know what to say to this person. I, I, I just flips me out to see that what this person shared what is is a sexual tryst, a relationship tryst, because instead of dealing with this, these paranormal groups are now into soap operas. So shouldn't we police ourselves, Dave, you know that we should begin and your show be the beginnings of it, that we could say, you know what? Shouldn't we do this? I agree. I
3: agree. We need to do it more. It's the only way this area is going to get cleaned up. And that leads to Corey's question in the Space Out Radio chat room on Spreaker. And that is, he says, I think there should be a baseline code of conduct, but I don't think there should be any certifications. Do we need some sort of Bible or code of conduct that should spread around the paranormal field? Is that what it's come to? Because obviously, much like political candidates, they say one thing, and the minute they get into power, they do an absolute another. And that seems to be what's happening here with the paranormal field as well. Derek?
6: Yes?
5: Okay. Glenn? I <laughs> uh, think I was trying to mention was like, we've all been in the field a while, we don't use any specific handbook when we do an investigation. There's no correct way to do anything. Uh, pretty much what happens during the investigation guides us towards what the path should be to take on that particular investigation. But that comes with experience. Now We've all been out long enough to know when things are getting a little bit out of hand, when you're pushing too much, when you should start to back off, and when you should leave. But that comes through experience. If people ask me how am I do an investigation, that's how I do it.
6: How about you, Randy? I try to measure things on a case by case basis. It was always suggested to me that when we want to look at and quantify, uh, and, and I and I do this all the time in my own field of IT. You know, when we're looking when we're looking at quantifying truth or quantifying an IT problem, I have to go back to documentation written up and say, "Well, this PC crashed here," therefore, I can go back. I can't go back to review the manuals that we haven't created. We need to sit down as a standardization group and start coming up with, you know, theories that we can sit down with and try them and say, guess what, Randy? You're all wet. You're wrong. Thank you. But at least we tried it together as a team. What this person is asking in the chat room is we're already there and now they want to take A versus B versus C and come up with a yes or no answer. How can we do that today? We're still in the infancy of understanding where this actually is going because the de facto standard of a question is what applicability of evidence, what are we going to do with it? Do I want to know what Aunt Myrtle died? Is Aunt Myrtle coming to me? who is Aunt Myrtle? Is Aunt Myrtle a person, a thing? Is it presence? So we start asking ourselves questions. So we listen to evidence based upon uh, scientific or recorders and et cetera, and we're trying to come up with some sort of answer what life is. Life is very strange. From cradle to grave, life is a very strange thing. We all eat. We all make love. We all get angry. We all do crazy things, and we all die. And yet, when we sit down with a paranormal investigation, they don't view it that way. They view things of of a television show. This is why I'm trying to bring together standards. And once again, did I answer the question, or, or once again, am I off base? I think you went there.
3: I think you're good. But Corey says that that's wrong, though. He's talking about ethics, not how to investigate, but the ethics surrounding the investigative pattern. I still think there needs to be a Bible on it, a rule book, you know, and how. And, and this is as far as we are going here, okay? Eric Markham, myself, and a couple other paranormal people who I trust. Okay, are going to be getting together. We're going to create something on our website because I want to. I want to be able to promote on this show paranormal teams that are doing it right or what I feel is right. You know, and maybe maybe that's being a little bit too. How can I say it? Selfish. Okay, but in the end. I think we need to have that standard out there. I think we need to be able to come up with a guideline and say, okay, look, if you're just going to all these tourist attractions, you're not a ghost hunter. You're not. Okay, You're somebody who has an inquisitive mind on the subject. But if you're out there, you know, blood, sweat and tears, trying to find the answer to life after death, trying to solve a mystery, trying to tell the story from the spirits like Chronicles does when they're on the road filming, that's where we need to come up with the answers. Those are the people we want to be surrounded by. You know what I'm saying?
6: You know, that is a great statement. but once again, I can sit with John Zaffis, I can sit with you, I can sit with Glenn, I can sit with Derek. We're all over the place because we don't have that applicability of understanding of where we're going. Mm-hmm. And so now we sit down and, and we watch our television shows and you know and watch the movies and watch everything. and and in the end, somebody asked me a question and, I, and I'm going to ask this, this gentleman a question. The ethics, which means there's already documentation to go back to. We're the ones developing this here on this show right now, and we don't like people charging, etc. But are we considered the people that will set the standard in the United States and the world? Somebody's got to
3: set up, set, uh, step up though. Somebody has to step up and say enough is enough. Derek, what's your thoughts on that?
7: Enough is enough. Um, yes, you know the thing is that what you mentioned earlier, yeah. Glenn and I on our team, Troy and Mike, you know what we do? really is we're looking for historical. uh, We we love our history. That's the main part. it's, It's important to us, and that's what's making us unique. We're not like everybody else. We want to find something that's a different niche in it. I mean, everybody can go. Anybody can go to a. A building that's haunted anybody can investigate places that are that are supposed to be haunted but what we are looking for is history something that relates to the public that relates to what they would understand that's going to be cu- the curiosity and when we make the cu- when we start getting curious and we want to i mean everybody has curiosity even as a kid growing up you always want to find out you know how to dissect a frog and is that, you know, you put that fro- you put the electric shock on that frog and will his legs move? And then somebody will actually imitate the sound of a frog and then freak the next door neighbor. But the thing is that you're you're always curious, no matter to see if you want to see the frog's legs move. You know, and see the and make you make you jump. And that's that's what basically most people are looking for. They're looking for something that makes you like go the next step if it's gonna scare you. Go the next step and see if it's gonna make your heart pound harder. Um uh, and I've had a few things, a few of them that, that startled me. Uh, and in the way it was, I, I mean, I got one ghost. That was, I was so pissed off at it. I said, stop doing that. You know, if you want to t- show yourself, don't get your face into my face because you, it just made me mad. <laughs> I wasn't scared. I was like, whoa, come on, stop that. You know, but they're going to try and see if it gets And uh, Glenn was there. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, even with Mike, uh, there is one part that he even the ghost walked through me, and Mike saw the ghost. I didn't see the ghost; I felt it come through me. But he seen the ghost and went after him. And he took a beeline. I don't blame him for running. I mean, <laughs> you don't expect it. He never expected that, and uh, it startled him. I mean, you know, you got, you got. It's, it's, and sometimes that ghost will actually will choose the person who it wants to go after. It's not just a whole group one person, and they'll make a decision whether it wants to scare you or startle you or catch you off guard, and they'll always catch you off guard. Nothing's ever perfect to say, oh, here you go, here's a ghost. So, fight for it.
3: Glenn, what's your thoughts?
5: What, on the whole ghost thing?
3: Well, considering
5: that's what we're talking about, yes. (laughs) Well, just like Derek said, pretty much exactly what Derek just said. I've seen stuff that he's... SETI scene uh physically with my eyes too which is really freaky like we had that bar in likely bc where you saw the the guy's legs under the uh snooker table you remember that derek
7: oh yeah i remember that one and you you actually (laughs) were staring like what the hell
5: Staring at it, ran around to the other side of the table. There's nobody there. Ran around, looked at the, the table again, pool. still there. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and we have that on camera somewhere. It's, it's hilarious. It's kind of a blooper reel somewhere, I'm sure yeah. it is. Yeah, Because he got me running around the table like an idiot. You're
7: looking for pigs. <laughs> and it wasn't the girl.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Like, it can be real. It, but Derek said they were there. And when I looked, they were there. So they, that's how we use our mediums. We use the word use. You know, utilize our mediums is we use them like a tool. He points us in the right direction, just like a K2 or a Mel or any other device that we use in the field. And that's his job. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the Indian part of me. Him go ahead. Yeah. There you go. I think what we did with the end of, at the end of the day with the show for Chronicles of the Unknown was create some sort of Canadian paranormal tourism video showing you where the hotspots are, telling you about the history of the location. It's interesting to read. Well, it's interesting for us, but we'll, hopefully we'll sell it, and you guys will see that it's interesting for you too. Hopefully. Right, Dave? Yeah.
3: Well, I hope so. I hope so. It'll be a lot of fun when it happens. Let's get to one more question here, and Glenn, we'll start with you on this. This comes from Gail. we got about two and a half minutes before we have to go to break here. She says, I think people believing believe making their endeavors endeavor scientific makes it appear more legitimate. Wouldn't you as an investigator be better served to define your efforts as what it is, simply paranormal?
5: I agree completely. And that's where it should be. No, why does everything have to be scientific? No, we, we have mediums. Thank God they're out there because they're, they're an interesting race for us and a good tool, as I said earlier. So why not believe that? Why not believe it's just paranormal? Mm-hmm. It is not normal after all, so it's paranormal. It doesn't have to be scientific. So good point there, Gil.
7: Paranormal you're abnormal?
5: Abnormal, supernatural, whatever.
7: Yeah. Hmm.
5: Derek, your thoughts?
7: Oh, well, it's basically what like Glenn said. If you're, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. If you're not, if it's not paranormal, it's abnormal. I mean, we even. T- like you guys mentioned about uh Hans Holzer, I mean I remember reading about him years ago, and I mean this guy here i, I mean i remember i remember I thought gee, that name looks familiar. I watched the t v series uh that was on on t v uh for a couple of years now And it's called the other side and I'm thinking, I know that name from somewhere like somebody used that name once before and I thought okay so i, I uh accidentally uh was reading one of my books on Hans Holzer inside. Hans Holzer himself was the original guy that actually created the name The Other Side. And because he was the one that believed in trance mediums. He believed in working with mediums. He, he uh, Even though he may have written a lot of books, this guy, he studied parapsychology a long time ago, way before uh, you and I were born. And uh, this guy learned a lot in the field, and um, when he worked with, uh, worked with Ed and it's good. Hey, on that
3: note, well, I'm going to get you guys to pause on up. We are at the time for break number two here on Spaced Out Radio Chronicles of the Unknown with Glenn Ferguson and Derek White Sky Cloud, along with Randy Plesser from Zed Talk Radio. You're listening to The Mighty S.O.R. We'll be back after this next break with more paranormal talk and your questions after this.
9: The S.O.R. Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
8: Hi there. I'm Butch Wachowski, lead investigator with E4COP. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days.
10: Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. This is
2: your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, two mediums and a large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, Relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com.
8: Have you checked out the SOR Spacewire at spacedoutradio.com yet? Every day we post the latest stories regarding the weird, strange, and completely unbelievable. From cryptid and UFO sightings to the conspiracy world, we tackle it all. Hi there, I'm Eric Markham, Space Out Radio's news director for the SOR Spacewire. And if you have a story, I want to hear it. Email me at news at spaceoutradio.com.
4: Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Story so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com.
2: Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience.
11: Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today.
2: don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live wherever you are the car the office the shower or even if you're traveling we're right here for you each spaced out radio show can be found on itunes TuneIn, and on our youtube channel spaced out radio show it's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows for more information just head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and tune in to us today
12: Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com.
1: And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program.
3: Final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you all with us. On this Monday night, early Tuesday morning, if you're on the East Coast, or Tuesday afternoon if you're in Australia like Andy and Steve tonight, welcome to the show. Tomorrow night, Mike Ricksecker and Vanessa Hogel will join us. Three hours of paranormal talk going on starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time, right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We're also live on Renegade Talk Radio in Las Vegas and on Revolution Radio. Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and and donate today bill cardwell has set the password for tonight the sor space travelers club baccalaureate baccalaureate is your password so make sure you use it wisely if you're a space traveler bill cardwell sets the password each and every night on this show if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at spaced out radio. Use the hashtag spaced out radio to chat with us live during the show as well. Thank you so much for those who do it each and every night. During this broadcast, you can give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on Tune In. download this show and others on iTunes, and our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. While there, we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club at 5 bucks a month. We are talking with Chronicles of the Unknown, Glenn Ferguson and Derek White, SkyCloud, along with Zed Talk Radio's Randy Plesser. Because we're in Canada, so we use the Z over the Z. Yes, I'm pointing at you, Eric, at hashtag spaced out radio. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hey. Thank you. All right, let's get to let's get to some audience questions here because they are fired up and we got a bunch of questions here. Eric Cooper wants to know, Glenn, are you going to be growing a beard for the forest moon paracon this year?
5: uh no time soon i've got baby skin on certain areas of my face and i've never been able to grow a bit so sorry bud Hmm. i may uh, get scruffy for you but that's about as
3: fast as, as it's gonna uh, get i say you give it a try i say you give it a try let's get to another question this one comes from gail and randy we'll start with you on this one how does the public get notified of a fraud this isn't a harry potter book and there is no daily profit especially when it comes to the paranormal.
6: Usually in the past, and and I'm only speaking of here locally, the police are notified when there is a theft. Um, People usually take money and then report it, so the police usually report it in the newspapers. The unfortunate part when we talk about the word fraud is once again a measuring tool. A measuring tool is if you charge for an investigation, we're already not in the status quo. 99.99% of the investigators are not going to charge. Second, when we look at the media and realize that the police are involved, it's because people are not paying these things back. Police don't want to get involved. Court systems don't want to get involved, especially for $500. You know, by the time you're done, you're paying the court system $30 a week. Arrange that offline. You know, don't let it go there if you guys have a problem. Imagine sitting in a courtroom, about $496 that, that you took from a paranormal uh, group. My gosh. Come on. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, what, but we get back again to that question of fraud. In what documentation is the word fraud mentioned? And that is what I keep coming back to. And this is why I keep going for the standards, because I want to put that, you know, that book off the shelf and say, hey, Glenn, you know, hey, Derek, hey, Dave, this at, at subsection paragraph B, subsection C, this is what it says about fraud. That doesn't exist. What I'd like to do is sit down and write a documentation manual to pull it off the shelf that we have that understanding. Does that make sense? Derek, what do you think?
7: Well, <clears throat> um haven't had really anything to do with fraud in the paranormal teams, but I've dealt with fraudism um here in BC uh here uh, regarding psychics that are proven to be frauds uh, cuz they like to set people up and get them all scared and make get them make them feel guilty that they're forking out thousands of dollars. And, uh, you know, it, it really disturbs me when I see that and, or hear about of it. And then I got to somehow get involved and help that family out to get their money back. And I've done that a few times already. So it's very common. And, like I said, I mean, basically, we do have the Witchcraft Act here in Canada. It still exists. And uh, it uh, can be used in court if necessary. Uh, whether I'm. I know in Manitoba they use it pretty big there. If you're considered as a fraud, the police take it really serious. That's why you have the Manitoba is the only province in Canada that I actually have you have to have a license to be a psychic. Um, and it should be in all the provinces, and even including as a medium or even as a paranormal group, they should have licenses as well.
5: Hmm. So Prove your legitimacy. But how do you set the standards for licensing?
7: Well, yeah, it's the thing. I um, mean, how do you set the standards for licensing a psychic, and yet the city will give you a license if you have proven how long you've been doing it. And sometimes they'll ask you for some case uh, files. References? Uh, yeah, references to prove that you are what you, who you are and, and uh, proving that you are good at what you do. But if, yep. they, if there is actually any complaints to the police about that particular person or group, uh, they're not going to give you a license.
5: Yeah, but then again, you could turn around and get a dozen of your friends putting in references. How are they going to determine that they're not particularly friends of yours?
7: Again, it's <coughs> have police complaints Yeah, or, you know, from, from the public themselves. So if they're getting too many complaints, then the police will keep it a record as well. I mean, it's hard to prove what you can do. But again, I mean, uh, we try to do our best to, be, to help the public and, and to believe in what we can do for them to aid their needs but um that's all i can say on that one
3: let's move on here bob has a question and randy will start with you on this one the parent or pardon me when people are ghost hunting do they ever ask the spirits in other languages other than english why do people assume that all ghosts speak english
6: that's a very good question i, I dealt with a paranormal group down in outside philadelphia uh it was a soldier who had moved outside the area and they were getting um, different language EVPs. And this, in this case, he was getting Arabic EVPs. So the answer would be yes. Uh, he had liner case notes, and I know the, the, the person moved out of state. But uh, we've been getting them all languages. I've heard them in French. I've heard it in, um, in Arabic. So in my particular case, I've heard it you know in different languages. It's not English. And that's one of the concerning things of these TV shows is every time they're in a different location, everything's only English. English is just one language.
3: Derek, I I want to ask you that question too because when we have seen, say, the television shows go into other countries, the ghosts always seem to reply in English. Yet as a psychic medium who deals in the paranormal, do you have other spirits from other ethnicities and backgrounds speaking to you in English, or do they come at you from your own English uh, language? Pardon me, and you have to translate. How does that work?
7: Actually, I've had ghosts take me over and speak their language. I've spoken fluent Japanese to a to a client. I've spoken fluent uh, uh, Punjabi. I've spoken like a, like as if I'm having a conversation. I've spoken apparently uh, Cantonese, uh, Cantonese, or even uh, or how about uh, with a Cockney accent, like being from Ireland? And Cockney. I have no knowledge of it. I mean, I think Glenn was with me that one. Day. We did that one house, so the guy was speaking flu- fluent. Uh, I think he was Irish, wasn't
5: he? I think it's Scottish.
7: Scottish, yeah, and. Uh, the guys were there and seen it, and I'm not. I'm not from Scotland, and I and I never have. Uh, I wouldn't even know how to say the words in <laughs> Scottish accent.
5: Right, I grew up forty miles from the Scottish border, so I pretty much understood everything he was saying. Yeah, so it did help. But as far as uh, getting responses in another language, we've had that before as well. Yeah, uh, Mike on our team speaks reasonably well uh, Cantonese, I speak German and Spanish <clears throat> so we will ask uh, in particular uh, properties uh, native language if we can and if we can we'll generally find recordings, you can go on Google, you can get uh, translations of what you want to ask and then record them and then play them back on scene with another digital voice recorder to capture anything that's responding to anything that's being played on a recorder
7: And there have people that actually have said to me, too, that, uh, you know, how do you you know, like your guides, uh, how do you understand their language when when you're actually giving someone a reading who actually speaks another language from another country? And I said, because I have guides that come through that are translators, and then I'm just carrying it on in the English translation.
3: Let's move on here. Eric has a question in the Space Out Radio chat room on Spreaker. And Glenn, we'll start with you on this one. Do you think the reason that ghosts show up in cameras when not seen by eyewitnesses is because the human brain filters them out, whereas a camera has no mental filter?
5: Glenn? Glenn? Oops, helps if I turn on the mic.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Do rea- you want me to re-ask the question? Certainly. Do you think, Glenn, that the reason ghosts show up in cameras when not seen by eyewitnesses is because the human brain filters them out, whereas a camera has no mental filter?
5: I believe so. I guess children, were told not to believe in certain things that we see, even if we are seeing spirits. Uh, the brain will filter that out as you get older and you get told that what you're seeing is garbage uh, but on the other hand uh, the lens itself has a slightly different filtering system than the human eye uh, so it does detect things that we can see
3: absolutely and Derek what's your thoughts on that
7: Ah, uh, pretty well what Glenn says not too much pretty well the same
6: Randy? You know, this is where it's interesting with the human condition. I think sometimes if we do see a ghost in a camera, I think that they're just being smart as they would be in human form. you know. And even though we don't see them at the corner of the eye, they walk in front of the camera saying, guess what? Here I am. Come get me. You know, we're always mischievous. No matter what, we always love a joke. And, you know, the one thing that was said... Could ghosts like a joke on the other side?
5: Oh, yeah, they do. You know, so, do- we've, actually, we've actually played pranks on each other on a few investigations when it's got really slow in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're all passing out and falling asleep anyway, so the occasional joke does come up occasionally, a little prank. And uh, we have had responses when pranks have been played where we've heard people in the background that don't belong in the building at that time. Fantastic.
3: Let's get to another question here. This one comes from Everett. He says, The paranormal field always talks about uniform standards, and it goes nowhere. Who sets the standards, and why should other groups follow
6: those standards? Randy? Standards are a very interesting question, and the idea here is develop that standard of the, that A to Z investigation. Once again, why should I investigate? What's the purpose? Do I investigate? Do I investigate to help people? Do I investigate? You know, because I want a mind rush. Is is it something that I, I want to do? You know, I want to pull a book off the shelf. I want to know that in page fourteen, subsection C, number nine. This is what I need to do in a standard investigation. The question here is if we don't follow a standard, then we all get this big plate. We all throw everything in it and say, guess what? It's all a ghost. It becomes a worthless piece of information, a waste of time to everybody because once we leave the radio show or leave the paranormal conference or leave, we're no further ahead than we we were before. Without the understanding of what is or the applicability of theory, going back to it, we need to stand up and say, folks, what are we doing this for? Are, are we doing this for fun or kicks? You know, my wife and I spent a lot of money. You know, and what am I going to do? Did I, did I do the same thing as golf?
9: Who spent a lot of money?
6: You know, and, and you know, this is, <laughs> that's where this sort of is. Oh, I just got beaten. So, oh, back She just
7: hit him. Now he's
6: oh, oh, I just got a hit in the head.
5: <laughs> well, I pretty much would have got the same from Janessa anyway, so there you go.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but you see, we, we can't get that Bible off because we need to come together as a paranormal family and understand that. And, you know, this is what I keep trying to push for because we don't get to that stance to so where that question is coming from. How do we come to the answer?
3: That what is, is the it? answer? That is Go the ahead. question. What is the answer?
5: I don't think there is an answer, that keep, like a quick black-and-white answer that you can come up with. It's taken its time. It's going to take a forever in development. And by that time, hopefully, we'll start to get recognized by the scientific community. But then again, that could be also a backlash from the 1880s, 1920s, when people were charlatans and soaking people for money to speak with their dear relatives. So why would they take it seriously to begin with because of that that history?
3: Mm-hmm. Derek, would you like to chime in on that?
7: Uh, Chinaman? Um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> standards, you know, it's almost like setting rules and regulations like baseball. Uh, here's the rules. This is how do you get to the base. Um everyone you know there there are no rules uh, and and yet I been I remember some of the uh, psychic schools they have you know Stamstead University um, you know places like those that uh, they set standards and because that's basically what they're they're told to follow because that's what mm-hmm. they wants them to follow, which is fine but when you're on location to do something uh those standards sometimes are just thrown out the window because not not, not, a ghost won't follow standards. uh, Spirits won't follow standards. um, You know, anything that's the bump in the night is going to not follow standards. We just go, we just go do what we got to do. And uh, we may have some limitations, some things we maybe sometimes we can't always prove, but we try to, uh, we want to really believe that life exists on the other side. That's one thing. And those are some of the standards that we have. We're looking for. We're just researchers, and we're saying We want to set those standards. And, and the same thing with, <clears throat> same thing with uh, other people have done research before us. Many years before, uh, they had standards set too as well. But you know, you can only do so much to prove to get where you need to be, and uh, it that. It's not going to end. I mean, paranormal investigating will always continue. They may even change the name once in a while and change it around and call it something else. Um, you know, there was uh, an old show that used to be on, that was, um, we people were not called paranormal investigators before. They were called paranormal stoppers. They were called, i not paranormal stoppers, sorry. They're called ghost stoppers not just ghost hunters, they were ghost something else. They are always given different names and uh, then people, I mean, number one, the word ghost hunter was one of the very first that came in existence uh, back in the 1920s but some other people have been given other names before. In fact, they made a movie out with Bob Hope and, and they called him a ghost stopper and uh, so there were so many other stories that people had had followed but there's no standards. There's no really rules and regulations. If you, um, if you, want, if you need to follow those rules and regulations for standards, fine. People have been ridiculed before, and you'll hear so many stories about so many people have dealt with their um, uh, reputations. Again, do what you've got to do best and make the best of it. And if there, if there is one person or persons that actually have caused disruption, and uh, if you're not happy with them, report them then if you need to, report, you need to let people, people like us know about it, we can see, we can try and approach that, those people and say, hey guys, we heard you're, you're developing a bad reputation and thinking we need to clean up your act.
3: We still need someone to stand up and take that, that spot, that leadership role when it comes down to it. Somebody has to stand up and take that leadership role to define that booklet and say, okay, if you want to do things right, this is the book you follow. There's no reason why at this stage of the game that there shouldn't be a code of conduct that everybody can follow.
6: Well, uh, Dave, if, uh, I, if I stand up to you and say that I'm trying that, am I wrong? And I don't want to step on anybody.
3: I, no? think, you, I think you have to get some toes stepped Some people have to get some toes stepped <laughs> on. I'm okay, Hey, if I'm doing radio wrong, okay, if I'm doing this show wrong, I expect people to call me out on my BS. If if I'm trying to create an amateur hour here rather than trying to create a sophisticated journalistic talk show, I want people to call me out. That's how I'm going to improve. So why can't we do that in the paranormal
6: field? Well, this is why I would love to get together with all of you and do a, a, a Skype para-conference together I, what I want to do is I would like to do a, something called a haunted weekend here in Pennsylvania and do training of people that come out and understand and train them on that A to Z. You know, what is, what, the, here's three questions. What is a paranormal investigation? Two, what is the outcome of the investigation? And three, what do I do with the evidence? We could discuss this, you know, Dave, Derek, and Glenn for the next 10 years. Oh, easily.
3: Very, you know, and, very understandable, Randy. But at some point, there is going to be some sort
6: of agreement on the do's and don'ts. Yes, but the question is, this is why I tried to step up with the standards organization mm-hmm. and to stand up and say, you know, folks, let's stop the fighting. Let's stop the sexual slurs. Let, let's stop everything. Let's stand together as true adults and put this together. So am I trying? Yes. Am I getting stepped on? Absolutely. Because I'm being accused of destroying Ghost Hunters TV show in public. And that
7: is one of the problems.
6: And right. it's, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Derek.
7: You know, I was going to say, there, there's even a TV series being talked about right now. They want to start a the very first gay paranormal team. Okay? Why? Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. Why? But now they want to say that they're what they're, they're, they're saying that they want to
5: It's already been done. It's it's been out about a year now. Yeah. It's called Knock Knock Boo or something. Knock Knock Ghost. That's Yeah, Knock Knock Ghost. It's actually an
7: entertaining show if you want to watch it. And the guys are yelling, uh, acting like girls, you know, yelling, screaming. Yeah, they're yelling, they're screaming. And the girls are just as more courageous than the guys are. Anyways that's a whole
3: different topic all yeah, let, different topic all right let's get to another question here and i think this is a good one craig is asking if i want to start up if, or pardon me, if i was to start following an investigative group in canada what should i look for glenn
5: uh location would be a good thing uh Pretty much our southern border is where most of uh, the population is. So uh, if you can get away from that, great. Start somewhere in the middle of nowhere.
3: Derek? So you taking a sip of a milkshake or something there? Can't, can't get it out of the straw? Derek
5: Forgot to turn his mic on.
3: All right, Randy. Yes, sir. What's your thoughts? If you were to start if you were to follow an
6: investigative team, what would you look for? I would look for one thing. You know, when I walk into an investigation, what investigating techniques am I going to be taught? Uh, a group down in uh, down a down in south put together a FAQ of every piece of equipment ever as well as every investigating technique. So therefore, each time their team got together, they had a standardization, they had FAQs on equipment, as well as training in every piece of equipment. Second, do you want to spend your time spinning your wheels, or do you want to go with somebody of quality? Spend your time doing your research and asking, because you're going to be spending your time with these folks. And if there's any sexual misconduct, Walk away from it. Just just walk away because this is becoming a de facto problem here in the States with some of these groups. And, and I think the biggest one, of the last one, what is it that you'll do with the evidence? It's not a bragging right. It's somebody possibly who is a human being <coughs> here in, on this planet. So what do we do with the evidence?
3: Well, we, if you're most groups out there, we collect it. But what do we do with it? You know, this is the question. Well, I know that. And and this this is the exact same debate. Randy, you being a radio show host, you've probably had this. You ask a paranormal team, what do you do with your evidence? Well, we collect it and we go over it and look for, you know, anomalies or anything like that. Great. What do you do with it after you're done? Well, we put it in our database. Great. What do you do after that when you're done? 98%, 99%. Of all paranormal teams out there, cannot answer that question.
6: Who's trending the information? What's that information being used for?
0: Exactly. You know, what,
6: you know, we're, we're getting into this, this failure point of, now I've got 7,000 photographs and 4,000 EVPs. All right, now, now I've spent five years of my life collecting them. Do I understand what um, Aunt Myrtle died of? Can I talk to Aunt Myrtle? You know, can I write a book right now like the Warrens and call it Aunt Myrtle's Journal and make them, you know, sit down and write a book how I talk to Aunt Myrtle, how I can doc- document and quantify, like in The Conjuring or in Amityville, etc. how the documentation follows through. Now, that documentation beginning to end. I'm a documentation hound because in my field, that's what I do in IT. People think I'm all wet. I don't. I want to see us document, 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 document. So therefore, we go back. I said to somebody, uh, somebody, his name was David Roundtree, who started some of the standards. You document until you die. You leave it on the shelf. The next person pulls it off. They live their life. They die. They pull it off the shelf. In other words, we try to start our own, our own journals, our own, you know, beginnings to understand what the question is. But the question is, what is the question? That's the part of the problem.
3: Let's get to another question here. This one comes from Don and Derek...
10: There's
6: no proof. Did we lose
7: somebody here? Yeah, we lost them. Well, there we yeah. go. Derek,
6: there we go. Yeah.
3: My mic mute button got stuck here. Let's ask you a question. This one's from Don. Why is it okay for a medium to charge a few bucks but frown upon paranormal teams from doing it?
7: Oh, you stuck me for that one, eh? Um, It's... I don't know. Some paranormal teams will charge, and some don't. It depends on the... Like, I always tell people, if you pay for my traveling fee, I don't, uh, that makes it easier for me. Because they just pay for my gas, I'll come out. But I'm not going to come out for free. So, that's me. And people can get mad at me over that one, but it just makes it a whole idea. Like, who's wanna, who wants to travel, uh, say, 100 miles to investigate a place, and I know i got to pay, somebody's got to pay for my gas if they want me to come out and investigate their place. Unless we are the whole team going out there and we are going to be there for a while, then that's not, we're not going to charge because we're already making plans to go that direction.
3: Glenn, what's your thoughts?
5: Well, I think 90% of the cases we've had with the historical locations are doing us a favor. Uh, I don't agree with charging for investigations, and I'm not quite sure what I agree with mediums charging for their gift, too, either. But then again, that's me. Uh, My mother didn't charge, and my grandmother didn't charge, but then again, times change. Now, if someone's got a gift, uh, I know Derek has a gift. Uh, If he wants to go ahead and charge for that, then that's his right, and it's his gift to give.
3: What's your thoughts, Randy?
6: There is a song out here from Glenn Miller. It's called Another Cup of Coffee. They're going to the diner called The Rainbow in the Sky. And they're going to the psychic medium to find the silver lining. So in the 1940s, they were paying psychic mediums and building in the hits of today, which was a big hit on Billboard, Another Cup of Coffee, Uh, from Glenn Miller and whatnot, building into the fact that psychic mediums and and psychics were, were a part of Americana, which I find very interesting because they went there to find that silver lining. Why do you find that silver lining? We look for truth because we're unsure of things and we want to be told that life's going to get better. Some of us go through horrid depression. You know, why do we go to a psychic in the first place? To find out that our life will get better, you know. So, if people charge in the state of Pennsylvania, you have to be licensed and is considered a business. So, therefore, they're running a business. So, a fair amount of charge is, is uh, you know, not improper here in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, there are psychic mediums in the area, so uh, you know, regardless of what I feel, the state of Pennsylvania feels that is a small amount of income in a
7: small business. See, one thing I've learned when I was younger, I met a man by the name of Kenny Kingston who's called Psychic to the Stars. I'm sure you may know who he is. He read for people like uh, uh, Lucille Ball, John Wayne. He read for President Truman. Like, he did a lot of readings for a lot of these famous people. And when I met Kenny, uh, he was someone who influenced me in my skills when I was 14 years old and I'm now 60 and Kenny told me, he says that you have to make a living. And he said, if, if, if spirit wants you, he calls him sweet spirit, if sweet spirit wants you to make a living this way, then, then they're telling you to now people may voice their opinions, say, well, my mother didn't do this. And my grandmother didn't do that. And that's just a choice. But I'm also a professional counselor. So I'm not just a psychic and a medium giving people advice regarding from spirit world. I'm also giving people advice as a marriage counselor. I'm giving people advice as a family counselor. So I do all that and I get paid for it. That's another reason why. So, but Kenny always says you have to make a living somewhere because if you only had a nine to five job and if you're willing to give up, Uh, many hours of your life to give people readings. Back then, those years, I'm sure, it was a delight to do it. And people felt guilty thinking, well, you're doing God's work. Yes, I am doing God's work. I questioned that when I asked Spirit one time, am I doing the right thing by charging? And they said to me, you wouldn't be here doing this work if you weren't charging because I'd be a poor man today.
6: That I agree with 100% because, you know, when you're focusing yourself, you know, when we buried my dad, you know, we had to contract a pastor. Now, that pastor drove the distance. Therefore, you know, they call it a gift. But the reality is, is that, you know, this man uh, of the cloth spent his time. So when we take a look, I, I think personally, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing when we're making money at that point. You know, but you're focused on a much different area. You know, your readings and whatnot are, are there to help people, not to bilk people. And I think that's one of the things that people do in this day and age is bilk. You know, 350 for an investigation, 150 for a photo. Now, that that's outrageous. But what you do, that's a different story. You know, we, we look at, you know, to me, here in this state, we try to ask ourselves, why do we go to that? Sometimes we get very clinically depressed and we don't want to go on medication. Do we go there to men like you, Derek, to ask the question, am I going to be okay? Is that wrong to ask?
7: No, because that's basically what most people say. Am I going to be okay? How's my health? What do you think I should do? Where should I go from here? How do I make an income? What's my next step for me to do? I don't know what to do. I'm kind of lost. I need your guidance. And that's exactly what my job is to help give them motivation. I show them what I see, and then the rest is up to them what they do it from there. I don't tell them what to do. I just show them what they could do or can do. And that's exactly how it works. So I mean, everybody's different. And, but if I at first, I'll tell you this right now, guys, if I like myself, I was actually a carpenter by trade, I didn't have to do this work. I could have walked away from it. But I had an intervention, and it, my life changed completely. And if I didn't have that type of intervention, I'd still be a carpenter, and you wouldn't be hearing me on radio. That was, that was over 30 years ago.
3: Question from Dennis at Hashtag Spaced Out Radio. He was asking, Does anyone on the panel believe there is any difference between paranormal investigation and consciousness events? Derek, I'd like your opinion on that.
7: Consciousness events? Consciousness events. Events. I have no idea what they're talking. Unless it's all to do with a psychic fear type of thing. Pretty well the same. But I don't know. Everybody keeps calling different names and different events, so I'm sure what what he's looking for in it.
3: Glenn, would you like to take a shot at this
5: one? Sure, it's a question again.
7: Sorry, I just
3: stepped
5: away. <laughs> Does
3: anyone believe there is a difference between paranormal investigation and consciousness events?
5: No, I think they both go hand in hand. The, the, yeah, the, the longer you're in the field, the more conscious you become of what is around you. Now, we don't just turn off the lights because it's kind of creepy. We turn off the lights because we lose the sense and gain other senses in this field. And its uh, absence of lack of sight. So I, mean, I think it, they're kind of intertwined. They're pretty much both essential in any investigation.
6: Mm-hmm. Randy, would you like to take a shot at that one? My first question is for him, what is, the, what is the word cons- consciousness event? What am I comparing to the paranormal? Because the paranormal, I'm looking at somebody supposedly that's passed on. So my question here on, on against once once again on a documentation side is what is the word conscious event? Define it. You know, define it for me, and then what are you looking to find out? And what actually is it? Because I've never heard that term before, ever used. So I don't understand the the outcome of the question.
3: All right, let's move on to another question here. This gets kind of ties into what Eric, or pardon me, what Everett asked earlier about the uniform standards as the paranormal. So Gail is following it up and saying, "Do you think that by forming an official association, writing bylaws and then procedures, protocols, etc., membership would be offered a standard, established and endorsements or sanctions supplied by an association? If we we're
6: in the paranormal, do you think this would be a good thing, Randy?" Yes, it is, and I'm going to step out here, Dave, and take the plunge. We, I created Supernatural Standards in a small, a small board, and, I, of course, I'd like you to visit it and come on board, and Glenn and Derek. And the idea is we're a self-help organization. What I'm trying to create that people like her can come to us and ask, what do you suggest for a paranormal group? Um uh, Bylaws, I I ran nonprofits most of my life or have helped nonprofits. I've written my own bylaws and I have everything (laughs) written. Now, can we use this in the accordance of business? Yes, we can. I could run the nonprofit like this through Robert's Rules of Order and conduct meetings, etc. And then purchase or, or create the paranormal guide, that A to Z Sort of guide. So I'm going to step out here and say, yes, Dave, I started it. I I started talking to a producer called Lori Notch. She filmed it. There is a film out there. I'm trying to get that in place to to do that. Will it be successful? I don't know. But, Dave, I will take the snowballs in the face uh, that I'll at least try to make the difference. Well, I think we all have to try and do that.
3: We all have to try and make things happen on that end.
7: under the spiritualist movement, <clears throat> they actually have their roberts they have their Roberts rules as far as the board's concerned so and they also have paranormal investigators that go on site and locations so it's pretty well <clears throat> those standards do exist right now to this day under the spiritualist churches um where you can follow that type of direction um, as far as if that's what they're basically looking for.
5: Well, it's basically the same with us. Like, we're the yeah. Canadian Paranormal Society. We're a society under the BC Act. Yeah. And we have to follow Robert's rules. We have our meetings. Mom, we're supposed to have meetings. So that is a standard right there. Just because you're a society, you have to follow the guidelines to a certain level. mm
9: mm-hmm.
3: Do you think there's enough people out there who could push the ego away, Randy, to make this sort of paranormal association guideline book
6: or set of standards or code of conduct, whatever you want to call it, possible? Absolutely. We we can sit down as a team. One of the things I wanted to see is that ten dollar para conference because we all could come together. Now, I'm not going to ask you, Dave, to fly out from Cali you know, from wherever you are, California, Nevada, you know, Canada, wherever you're at. To hear, we can use Skype now in order to create, you know, this new new venture, and then start submitting documentation via Word, Excel, PowerPoint, etc., and email. Um, if you people go to ZTalk Radio into show archives to Ghostly Excavations Radio Show, there is a para organizational document that was designed in twenty thirteen by Houston Ghost Research and other paranormal teams that are listed? So the answer is yes. The documentation was first born in Houston and several other places, including Missouri.
10: That you're aware of.
6: What would you think about uh, checking that documentation out in the future?
7: I would check. I I love it it when the wife steps in. That's what you're aware of.
6: I'm sorry, Derek. What?
7: What was I, it, Derek? The wife steps in. She goes, "That's where we are aware of."
6: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, she she has helped me along the way, and of course, she's one of the investors. That's and right. being, you know, being one of the investors, you know, she, you know her her job is a, uh, a clinical researcher as well as a documentation specialist. So the answer the answer, Dave, would be yes. That if we could step out and do this and say, you know what. Did this question work? Did this work? We need to start ruling out things because did you ever watch the Fox News uh, last part of Washington, George Washington, as he was dying?
7: You mean the fake news? <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: no, what I'm getting at is the doctors the over, yes, <laughs> over Washington. If you saw the three cut marks on the President Washington's skin. They were bleeding him out thinking that the flu or pneumonia was going to go away. Isn't that what we're doing in some cases in the paranormal? You know, if I cut myself right now I'm gonna get rid of the flu. Is that a foolish practice today? Absolutely. But in this field of the paranormal, if I learn, you know, that if I bleed at a paranormal investigation, would it help? Is that crazy?
7: Well, it's been known people actually have bled themselves while they're on location.
6: You know, and you know, it is the, the study of it. You know, just like the, the study of medicine. We don't understand medicine because each patient coming is unique. This is what I like about the paranormal because the paranormal is the same thing just like the study of medicine. And if we develop this core documentation, you know, yeah. men like you, David, can step up to the microphone and guess what? Say, you know what, Randy, you're right or wrong. Or, you know, and Glenn, and we can tear it apart because I don't want to be patted on the back. I don't need an award. I don't need anything. I want you guys to tear it apart and tell me right or wrong or what you think.
8: Really A- agreed?
5: Struggling. Oh, exactly. 100%. It should have been that way in the beginning, but you know what? He goes and stuff gets in the way, and then people start deciding who 's creating the standards who 's got the backing behind that but that 's just the way it is and i, I can 't see it changing in any hurry i 'd love for things to change, and i 'd love to be part of a group that obviously instigates that kind of change
3: i 'd like to see it happen you know we well, need we need to. Still try and figure out how to get around the ego part of it, though. Ego has so much to do with it, Randy.
6: Yeah, but once again, you know, I, I made a donut. I enjoy the donut. No, I'm going to be very serious here. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to give your family donuts, and I'm going to give Glenn donuts, and I'm going to give Derek donuts, and now I'm going to sell the donuts. And you tell me they taste like crap, and they, they don't taste good. Well, you know, in the reality is I've got to go back now and retweet my product. That documentation that's sitting out on Ztalk Radio was created by Houston Ghost Research, James Spangler, and others – Uh, and I wanted to torn apart, but ego got in the way, and finally fight started, and I want to get together, and if we could start again on this show, I will send the documentation out to you via email for you guys to take a look at, because, you know, Glenn and I have talked about this in the past, and if if we don't step forward as brothers and do this right, I'm a born-again Christian, and I'm fighting the church on a born-again Christian level because I believe I'm called by God into the paranormal to bring it into not only to the church, but to teach the correct A to Z and then create the standards to bring not only to the church, like the Catholic church, but create, you know, an idea of a born-again demonologist, which I would love, I would love to strive for. But in that point of documentation, this is where I'm at. So, you know, folks, take a shot at me. I'm, I'm here. And I'm willing to Dave to do anything you ask to start that process.
3: Well, that's a big process, my friend—a very big process, you know.
5: And that's a- agree. With, I have to agree with Randy because we discussed this in the past, both uh, myself, Randy, Laurie Notch, uh, Chad Stambow, and a few other guys. And I wanted to get that kind of unity thing going. Uh, just to create some sort of standards, and it was an idea that was like six years ago. We were thinking about doing that, and it's still in the process right now.
3: Is the paranormal field ready for that, though, Derek? Are they ready for standards?
7: No, didn't get away with it. No, I mean you got writers that, uh, for example, for TV, they won't follow the standards. They, they want to get away with anything they can to make the show even better, uh, more scarier or whatever, hyped up. Um, if you're actually if you're doing standards on location, it's going to take a long time before those standards really come through. But uh, that's as a person my, like myself making a prediction on it. Can the standards really happen? They can to a point. Uh, but it's going to take a long time, like really sitting down seriously and make decisions. What standards you're expecting from it, and will those people follow through? Th- follow through those standards. I mean, yes, we do have a lot of uh, prof- uh, a lot of, a lot of legislative legislative uh, decisions that we have to make when we're in meetings. And what is should what should be happening? what should not be happening. We always do voice our own opinion what we think that should work and should not work but that's pretty well it Um, and then will you follow through with it you know will those that group of people follow through with those standards who's going to follow them you know go on location are you going to have a standards uh, 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 secure someone who's like a standard security guy or whatever he calls themselves and will he follow you through the investigation you know and uh, he or she, will they follow you and see if you're doing the right thing. And if you make a mistake, do you lose your position as a team member because you made a mistake? So it's going to take time.
3: Corey had a comment in the Space Out Radio chat room on Spreaker. He says, Dave, thank you for taking a stand for paranormal unity and ethics. Thank you for pointing that out, Corey. But the one thing I do want to say is, I'm not about paranormal unity. I don't believe in it. What I believe is that everybody has to buck up, check their egos at the door, and acquire the ethics that everything you do is what we need to do. If I go into my job, my daytime job tomorrow, and I don't have ethics, I don't have a job. I don't have an, a bi- an ability to take care of my family. Everything has to be done with ethics. And yet when it comes to the paranormal field, it seems that we all have the ability to run roughshod almost like it's anarchy in the ghost world. And as one of our listeners pointed out on hashtag spaced out radio, it's a lack of education. It's a lack of feeling out of control or in control. And it's a lot of things you know i do believe that you know we could find some sort of standardized solutions to this i really do believe that but it has to be taken one team at a time and those teams who buy into those rules have to you know not force people into other other decisions cuz they can do what they want but as long as you can build a a a stable of paranormal teams out there and that includes the cryptid world and the ufo world okay as long as you can build that stable of quality investigators who have the same goal in mind which is trying to answer questions not debunk not play with ghosts not do the tourism thing but actually true down and dirty field work in this then we have the ability to start a movement that's what it's going to take is a movement needs to be started and maybe it's this show maybe it's Randy maybe it's the Chronicles team who finally decides to step up and amp it up and say look when you're going to investigation try and figure out what the answers are what do you want to solve that night because getting an EVP is not solving anything Going to a local bar that's haunted and saying, hey, do you want to have a beer with me, Ghost? That's solving nothing. Going to paranormal events, sure, they're fun. You meet some great people. That's not what it's about. Catherine writes in the chat room, then start it, Dave. Start it. It's in the plans. I'm not going to lie. It's in the plans for what we plan on doing. We got a lot of things in the space out radio zone right now that we have to do first but I can tell you right now during the show during when when the guys were talking I was totally mentioning that with Everett Themer in chat so it is up, up and running it is in a realm of possibility but people still have to buy in Randy we got about 35 seconds for you
6: yes sir what do you think? Possibility or dream? Neither. Reality. Let's make it happen. Let's get together. Let's do it. Let's sit down. Let's make the friends. Let's get the dinner. Close the door. Get the pizza. I'll put up $20. bucks. i will put up whatever it takes. Let's sit down. Shut up. Let's do it together. Let's be brothers and make it work. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible? 100 Percent. we need to come together and sit down and humble ourselves just like i am as a christian i walk into a church i pray to god i'll sit there and say i'm a humble christian we got to walk in with that humble attitude as these people from all walks of life and say and i look up and say lord what do you want me to do and that's what i do every single day
1: mm-hmm.
3: glennard what do you think
5: yeah, I think it's quite possible. Uh, you have the right amount of people behind you uh, who have the idea solid. I think we're pretty much good to go. Like Working with other teams can be problematic. Like We work with other teams, even in, in the local area, where we've either just rubbed each other the wrong way because of the way that we investigate or different styles. So if we can get that worked out a little niggly bit where okay, well, why am I forcing my beliefs or the way that I'd investigate something on somebody else uh, when they have their methods? So you have to start to wind down the attitude and the ego and say, hey, uh, let's stick together. Let's see if we can work something out and get something going. Mm-hmm. Derek, you got the final word, buddy.
7: Here's my final word. We need to get along and a lot of paranormal teams like glenn said and you know it there are some teams that don't work out with each other because everybody has their own belief system so to speak and their own they set their own standards but you know uh we'll do our best as professionals as we can be and we like to be out there to help as many people as we possibly can because that's who we are we are the chronicles of the unknown and we we do our best to help people mm-hmm.
3: Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the show tonight. You guys, hold on. I'm going to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the Space Out Radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy, rocking us in and out of every single show. Bumblefoot is the official sound of Spaced Out Radio. Tomorrow night on the program... Mike Ricksecker for hours one and two. His radio partner, Vanessa Hogel, on for hour number three. Three hours of paranormal talk tomorrow night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, right here at spacedoutradio.com. want to remind you, if you want to listen to this show and others, go to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show, for our archives. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. And, of course, once again, our website is spacedoutradio.com. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in. We've kicked off the week on a pretty good note, and it's only getting better. We've got a fun week planned ahead of you, and we look forward to you being here each and every night. Do us a favor. Spread the word on social media. Tell a friend. Hashtag this living hell out of us. Help us build that audience, because we're moving in the right direction, and it's a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Talk to you in 21 hours from now. Good night.